Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you can control and or participate in. The telephone number here in the studio is 603-283-6160. Grab a crayon and write it down on the fridge or what have you. 603-283-6160. Tattoo it on your firstborn's forehead if you like. My kids might be listening and they might take the crayon and write it on the fridge. (laughs) Sweet. And then more people will see it and more people will call. Uh, in the studio tonight, it is myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me, Jay Noon and Joa. Uh, we've got a, a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, Joa, you brought in uh, this video for uh, the title says Mississippi Civil Rights Museum trespassed me for free speech. You want to tell us a little bit on it? Yeah, there's this guy uh, on your oath on YouTube, and he just on your oath, honor your oath, oh, honor your oath. Yes. Okay, and I. Uh, he uh, all he ever does is the same thing over and over again. He just holds a cardboard sign that says, "God bless homeless vets." Okay. He doesn't ask for money. He never, you know, even though panhandling is not illegal, Supreme Court ruled, he's not even doing that either. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. They tell him to leave under threat of arrest what? at a civil rights museum. And this is in Mississippi. You were saying, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. In Jackson, Mississippi. All right. So. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna bring up. You brought in this video. We're gonna start it around the, the three thirty mark. Let's have a listen. Yeah, it's whatever. But you can sit right there, man. We ain't gonna, we ain't gonna ask him if I can. Uh, God bless the homeless. Yeah, man. ask him if I can stand up, up here because it's uh, public property. I'm right. not trying to be difficult, but I know, I know, I, know. I have just as much right to be up here as I do right, on the right, sidewalk. Right. I think. Oh, okay. See that they complaining that sign. That, that, that's what I say. Man, yeah. I understand everything y'all did. Like I said, my dad, it was like that. Yeah. Hey, it just makes. All right, so what we're seeing in the video for, you know, of course you can't see over the radio, uh, seems to be a cameraman uh, who's been confronted by some police and or security folk. Yeah, there was security of the uh, museum there. Okay. Yep. And, but they, you know, they're threatened to call the police to get him arrested because now he's trespassing. But uh, he's not trespassing because that museum isn't private. It is owned by the state of Mississippi, and that's all public land. Right. Yeah, he has the right to go right up to the doors if he wants to. And uh, this is uh, disgusting, and like I, I feel like you know, free speech is dead when you can't even like hold a sign supporting civil rights. <laughs> so all this guy was doing, the, the cameraman, uh, was holding a sign? That's it, just a cardboard, handwritten sign. God bless homeless vets. And they tried to, well, they did trespass him, right? Yeah, yeah. So for those of the listeners who don't know what you know being trespassed is, can you describe that? So they tell you to leave the property, which is public property, so it's ironic. And they, you know, they're telling them to go to the sidewalk. So, um, yeah, so you're you've been trespassed. Now, if you're criminally trespassed, that's because you re-enter the property after being trespassed, or you jumped the fence and said no trespassing, right, or mm. that sort of thing. So. Yeah. What if he didn't uh, trust What me. if instead of holding a sign that said "God bless the homeless vet" or something, what, is that what it said? That's what it said. God bless the homeless. What if vet. he was wearing a T-shirt that said that? Sure. You know, I would. I don't like, know. Good question. It seems question. to me like it doesn't matter. You know what? You know, version of media you have on, you should be treated the same regardless. I mean, sometimes you see people walking around and they're and, and they're wearing the sign like a like a you know big sombrero solid T-shirt yeah. thing. You know, and, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, sandwich board style. Right, or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. Yeah. Well, or this if, guy was wearing uh, a. Well, someone uh, challenged. Uh, you know, he had F the draft, right? Mm-hmm. He was holding a sign on campus, and they arrested him, and he fought it, and he won. And then somebody else uh, used that case law uh, when he got arrested, held for contempt because some uh, this guy wore a shirt F the draft into court, and so. The guy used case law and he won. So it's like it proves that we have the right to say these things and do these things. And it's ironic that that's, you know, an ultimate civil right to be able to say whatever you want. The problem is, is when you have uh, individuals that are, you know, have the ability to exercise qualified immunity. Right, mm-hmm. right. And they've been doing this for decades and decades now. It, it's created this culture of people that, you know, are just generally used to getting away with things, arresting people. Like here in New Hampshire, Several times now over the years, people have been uh, charged with wiretapping for, you know, videotaping the cat cops. Right. And in multiple situations, you know, previous to, uh, you know, a bunch of these arrests, uh, you know, civil lawsuits were filed for, um, you know, arresting these people for filming. And like the Ware Police Department, for example, has paid out at least three times uh, that that I'm aware of in like the last seven or eight years uh, settlements. And they still, you know, continue to arrest people for you know, um, uh, and charge them with wiretapping for videotaping the police after, you know, the, the, the Glick decision, Simon Glick, you know, the, the yeah. federal court in Boston basically said, uh, that government employees have no expectation of privacy and, but they just keep doing it and doing it because there's no actual, uh, punishment for these government employees. Nobody stays after school. And, you know, this is one of the things I want to get into. I was telling you guys about a, uh, DCYF, um, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, notice and demand, basically an affidavit that's going to be sent to um, state representatives and Lori Reaver, the uh, commissioner of uh, health and human services, to correct some of these problems. Because and 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 this af- particular affidavit process, I'm going to I'd like to talk about tonight is going to sort of talk about how it can be used to you to utilize the state rep- state representatives in New Hampshire to exercise their constitutional duty and authority to exercise their checks and balances against other branches of government who are violating the people's rights and they're doing it repetitively the thing with um all right well hold, hold yep. that thought for just a second i know you have the affidavit here and i want to get into it but i want to point out to everybody uh that this is yet another case of where uh, government doesn't care because of incentive right, right. so uh in the case of where whom you just spoke about uh they have well unlimited budget Right. They don't they don't care. Right. They don't care how many judgments against them and for how much money they keep getting paid regardless of what happens. Yeah. They have an insurance company that pays out settlements, actually. Right. Uh, So they have unlimited resources. They have unlimited time. Right. They have unlimited money. Right. right? So people in emotional hard places that take advantage of them. Right. So like these are all angles that they're doing to people. So I just want to point out that this is the level of difficulty that the regular Joe has when going up against any organization, any government organization, whether it's the city, the county, the state, the federal level, it is the same problem over and over. It's that the state always has way more resources, time, and money than you do. Oh, yeah. And they got an army of trained lawyers that are career liars, that are professional liars, and these lawyers enjoy qualified immunity. Just just with my wife's case alone, the social workers involved, the lawyers in, involved, it's like a, it's 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 like almost a million dollars a year just in salary between all these people. Yeah. Makes and sense. and then we have uh 
you know, the only other bureaucrat involved and in, well, the one bureaucrat that we can verify that is married with children is our local chief of police who was like, hey, leave these people alone. Yeah. There's, you know, there's nothing going on here. Well, you know, what don't you understand? Yeah. And it's just, you know, and, and basically what it comes down to with these a lot of these career state employees, especially in the, um, you know, the the social workers and the people in DCYF is, you know. Is is the culture? Yeah. You know, they're, they're basically city urban liberal types that go to these colleges and you know um, that are sponsored by you know the Clintons and the rest of Jeffrey Epstein's friends. If you start walking around any of these Ivy League you know colleges right. that you know yeah. teach Harvard, they, you all teach all crap. this stuff. The police and the state officials and DCYF. You know, they all hang out with each other outside. Oh, they and, and they the don't hang out too. with anybody else. They all hang out with each other. Yeah, the attorneys, too. And, and I mean the, the attorneys that also represent you. Right. Like, when you go and hire an attorney, oh, they yeah. are already oh, hanging yeah. out with all of the judges and all of the state attorneys and the prosecutors. Well, they're sharing and all that a beer stuff. after whatever they, happens They all in court. know each other. It's a big club. Yeah. So, uh, did you have anything more to add about the Mississippi Civil Rights uh, no, that was good, but okay. you know, I, I I would highly recommend you guys look up Honor Your Oath uh, and and see how he does it because he's very respectable. Uh, he does that. This guy's yeah, uh, YouTube channel, yeah, John, Honor I think it's Your John Oath. Gray. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, he just really nails everyone like about it because like you know they they're asking for IDs like what crime have I committed and all that, and he's just so good about it. Um, and it's such a simple thing. I think you, anyone should go and try doing this. Know your rights. Know how to talk to police, but. You'll learn a lot from this guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Jay, I know you're excited to talk about uh, this DCYF bit. Is that right? DCYF? Yeah. So DCYF stands for Division of Children, Youth, and Families. Right. Uh, Divide them. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's certainly what they do. And, uh, you know, commonly known as Child Protection Services in most places or right. CPS. But it's all basically the same the same entity, it uh, gets a bunch of federal government money. You know, they're they're far as I'm concerned, they're operating totally illegally. Uh, there is no constitutional authority for these guys. You know, they're part of family court, as I understand it, right? Yeah. So family court is actually like not even uh, a court, from what I understand. Is you know, it, it's it's sort of this private municipal, you know, for profit corporation that uh, does all kinds of crazy stuff. One of the oh, things, does. one yeah. of the things they do. I have some experience at this, so that's why, like, whenever this type of a thing comes up, uh, I was tossed into foster care. Me and my my natural, my birth sister, uh, were thrown into the foster system through uh, CPS or whatever it was called in Wisconsin. And the first thing they did was put us in different homes. Oh, yeah, and you would think, you would think, like, hey, if you're all about, you know, if you're family services or whatever, right, the whatever they call together. it, you would think that their their first thing they would do is try and at least keep siblings together. Right. To have some sense of family. But no, the first thing they did was separate you. And so I found that uh, interesting. The older I got and the more I looked into this type of thing. I also saw a documentary called Save um, the Babies. No, Divorce Corp. Okay. Now, yep. now this uh, documentary like sounds like it's all about what happens uh, to people who are divorcing. And to an extent it is. Sure. But it really highlights Exactly what you were saying, Jay, about how this is family court in and of itself. Like, if you think government, just from listening to Free Talk Live or any other freedom-oriented media, if you're already of the opinion that government is a horrible entity that just screws people over, uh, you know, left and right and, you know, doesn't really care, you're right, but family court is even worse yeah. uh, because they don't even have rules to follow. It's all made up on the fly. You know, I I, think, I feel like these are, DCYF is one of those uh, agencies, I feel like they should be recording themselves at all times 
And then if you need to review it, there's like any question about it, they can review how these people acted and how they re- came to the resolves of taking kids away, right? I would love to see those all those motions recorded. And then if you think there's something wrong and you want to take it further, review that. I want to see if they're conspiring to take kids. You know they are. You know they're just doing mm-hmm. it to take kids and hand them off to child abusers like they've been doing for years. It's gross. It's really gross. So everything in family court is sealed. And this is what right, makes it exactly. very, very difficult to have any transparency with family court. And also, family court, there's no provision in the Constitution for its creation of family court. Right. Uh, and the other thing with family court is it's 100% voluntary, and people don't understand that. And one yeah. of the ways, one of the jurisdictional traps that people stand in, uh, step into when they get involved with family court is they take some kind of government benefit, whether they're on welfare, food stamps, fuel assistance, uh, you know, they send their kids to public school. They, you know, um, use a court-appointed attorney. Uh, Lenience on, on maybe penalties or whatever by well, going getting involved. Well, the you thing know, is, things is, like that. is taking any of these benefits from the state, which I've been really good about not doing pretty much ever in my life because, yeah. you know, I've been aware of these jurisdictional traps ever since I've been a little kid. So so one of the things when um, DCYF and family court came after my family, um, they actually, the social worker actually lied. Uh, they, uh, she put, actually lied several times in an affidavit, but what was really interesting is she, she committed perjury saying that the local police told her, and I quote, that they are familiar with the noons, uh, what she wrote in the, in the, um, in the supporting affidavit for her, uh, motion to get a, uh, assessment to conduct an assessment and an assessment is they want to interview my child alone, which is like, you don't do no, with DCYF. No. That's gross. They want to inspect our property and they wanted, um, us to re- sign a, some kind of, um, release for medical records. And part of this assessment is you sign a document where basically you hold uh, DCYF harmless. I never saw that actual document, wow. but you know, people have told me about these documents and somebody's supposed to be getting me a copy of those. Uh, and, uh, a couple state legislatures here in New Hampshire are familiar with these documents. Yeah. So anyways, what happens uh, with the with the social worker is um, she writes, uh, oh, we spoke with Henniker police and Henniker police told us that they know the noons and the noons are free stater, anti-government, live on a compound with lookouts. And then they put <laughs> Henniker police told us that they are extremely dangerous and we need an order. <laughs> so what happens when they go to family court, I am sure that the judges oh, in family man. court absolutely just rubber stamp every single thing that comes across their desk from these, you know, government social workers. Yeah. And so so to get this assessment, they they want to interview the child and stuff and they want to, you know, do these things and they get a they get a kickback from the federal government. So of, of about $6,000 from what I understand is what the federal government pays uh lo- the state DCYF to, you know, to do this assessment. Do this assessment okay. and then they also pay another chunk of money if they if they take a kid into custody. Uh, as a foster kid, the federal government gets gives them more money. There's a documentary out there called "Save the Babies," where at the yeah. very end of this documentary, they uh, and I paused it and you know you know went frame by frame because they show like all of these um you know um accounting records of you know and numbers of spreadsheets basically of how much money each state got. Yep. And 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 it's it's insane the amount of money the states get. I forget what it is, but it, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a crazy amount of money. So it's a, billions actually. Th- there's an incentive right to doing it. Like so the, there's a whole another incentive on top of this. So at Granite State University, J.R. Hole, it was a good state representative here in New Hampshire. 
Um, and, and he had a, 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 a DCYF situation about two years ago himself, yeah. uh, like ju- actually just before I did. And, and the attorney that came against him, uh, Ross McLeod, is the same exact attorney that came against me. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, this uh, stuff over in Milford, New Hampshire, where they were like recounting the votes and like the mm-hmm. Democrats were throwing a fit. Yep. Well, this guy, Ross McLeod, is a big part of that. So uh, okay. a bunch of uh, people are telling me he's a really evil dude. Uh, he's like big time pro, you know, government. He's pro Democrat. He's you know, uh, he's not a good guy from what I understand. Snake. So, so anyways, politician. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a career. He's a career parasite. Yeah. Is what he is. You know, working in you know government. Uh, at, you know, as a lawyer. And anyways, he's um, uh. He, you know, he he's part of this, you know, thing of just, you know, filing paperwork in, in these family courts to scare people into submission yep. uh, and to, you know, use the uh, threats of force and violence of the state. And a lot of these police, you know, depending on the culture, you go into a city where you have police departments that are like very like, you know, left leaning, you know, city urban liberal types. And they're just, you know. Oh yeah, ready to take kids away. We're gonna help you out, DCYF, no, no matter what. But in the rural areas where, you know, you have uh, police departments that are, you know, everybody on the police department is 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 a family man or a mom, a family woman, which is you know one kind of cool thing about. You know, living in a rural area, you usually got local, you know, like like the cops in Henniker are like pretty decent. I got to say, I got 100 percent positive reviews with them, you know, myself and uh, maybe other people don't. But the they, um, you know, they're all just basically, you know, moms or dads, yeah. you know, the ones that I, I, I dealt with. So they understand things. Uh, the other thing is um, I was going to get into with this. Uh, I'm s- well, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to oh. point out. um for our listeners out there going, uh, why would the federal government incentivize state governments to, uh, you know, take children away? Right. And that's a great question. I don't have the answer. Well, they, they want to destroy families. It seems to be that way. I know that, uh, at least historically speaking, uh, it's my opinion that the, the federal government has incentivized the splitting of the, the natural family, right? The mom, the dad, and the children, right? Uh, Black if, Lives Matter, that was one of their, you know, uh, part yeah, of their manifesto or whatever. If, if for no other reason than to double the tax base, right? So previously you had, you know, single income families, right? The man went out and earned, right? The, there was the stay-at-home mom. There was this sort of... Uh, uh, nuclear family. Nuclear family, if you will. And like you could afford to do that back in the day, before I was born anyway. Uh, but uh, government has incentivized uh, people and businesses through taxation, through legislation, to split that. And so now we have two or even three income families, depending on who's got more than one job. Uh, and what that does is it doubles the tax base, but it also divides the family because now you have people sending their kids to daycare as children instead of raising them themselves. Uh, and so the incentive, of course, for the government is to, well, collect more taxation, right? The There is no incentive for the family to achieve, you know, that sort of nuclear family type of uh, situation. Not a government financial incentive. Right. So the government's always financing the worst stuff. If you look at food, for example, like all, all, all in order to get government subsidized crop insurance, 
you have to use Monsanto growing practices. Right. And we all oh, know that you know, the glyphosate, Roundup, uh, all the chemicals, atrazine, all the Monsanto, you know, patented certified stuff is like horrible. horrible. Synthetic yeah. chem- chemicals, everything. Yep. One thing I wanted to uh, sort of jump back into, I was starting to mention J.R. Hole here. So Granite State University is like one of these, you know, liberal academic colleges here in New Hampshire. Yep. And they actually had a class called Maximizing Revenue for DCYF. That was a class for specifically, you know, tailored towards DCYF social workers to take. Because uh, what, what what people don't understand here is the reason a lot of like cops, for example, are like very aggressive about you're going to have an inspection sticker. You know, you're going to have um, like um, I, I have a local f- uh, farmer friend here and, you know, farm plates and agricultural plates are like special restriction here in New Hampshire. Yep. And so uh, a sheriff pulled him over and gave him a hard time about being in the you know Dunkin Donuts parking lot with his truck with an agricultural plate and he was only 3 miles from his farm and you're not you know you're only limited like 20 miles or whatever yeah. but they're very inexpensive plates and it's agricultural and he says to me why would he care because all these guys are trained that they must maximize revenue for whatever agency they work for That's because horrible. their pension depends on it right of and, course and and another thing getting back into pensions here so, like, uh, Bonnie did a really good job, from what I understand. I haven't watched a video in her trial bringing up the uh, conflict of interest between a judge and a prosecutor. She did. I was there. Yeah. I, it, was, uh, it, went, it went differently than I thought it was going to, especially when she brought up the conflict of interest. Uh, eventually, the judge uh, just simply ruled that, you know, the state didn't have enough evidence or the city didn't have enough evidence. Yep. So the conflict of interest thing that I want to put out there is judicial pension fund. Okay. So both the prosecutor and the judge are going to benefit from this judicial pension fund. So they have a major incentive to stack this judicial pension fund and make it fat. Now, there's a guy, his name is Jeff Younger. Uh, where I heard of, heard of him was on uh, TimCast IRL, but if you were to yep. internet search Jeff Younger TimCast, you could come up with his thing and you guys should listen to it. Jeff Younger talks about how when child support is awarded to uh, whoever, it doesn't matter, a mother or a father, but when child support is awarded, 66% of that child support award is put in, is given to the uh, judicial pension fund, is deposited into the judicial pension fund from the federal government, from, I believe, the Social Security uh, Trust Fund. Yeah. So the same thing with like uh, child endangerment charge, which is, you know, the charge that they got from my wife. There's federal money that is incentivized to bring these charges and convict people on these charges. And and they're not going to have enough money for Social Security and those type of things. So, you know, let's start doing that. I'm surprised people are still collecting. Uh, 603 283-6160 Do you have any horror stories about Child Protection Services or DYCF if you're from the New Hampshire area? Give us a call. Let us know. We've got more on this plus more coming up. The crimes of the state Eleutheromania The insatiable desire for freedom crimes of the state from day through 12th grade They're taught to it's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com.
Welcome back. Thank you for listening, tuning in to tonight's edition of Free Talk Live. If you are a first-time listener, you can find out all about this fantastic radio program over at freetalklive.com. You can also call in. We take calls. Uh, It's actually pretty easy to get on the air compared to most other radio shows. Our screening process uh, is is slight, and uh, so it's pretty easy. 603-283-6160. I am your host tonight, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me, Jay Noon and Joa. Uh, We've been talking about uh, this affidavit, uh, notice of demand, I don't know if affidavit's the right word, notice of demand to uh, DCYF, uh, if you're not familiar with that acronym, uh, it's basically Child Protection Services, it's just that New Hampshire has a different name for that particular department. Uh, And uh, Jay, you brought this in. Kidnapper Corporate? uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jay, you brought this in because uh, you, you made a mention, you know, uh, we proposed this or, uh, you know, some people got together and said, hey, this is the thing that we're going to do. Can you give us some background on like, you know, what, who is we and, uh, you know, how did you all come together and decide to do this? So uh, by we uh, make it real simple. So essentially the guy who is sort of um, uh, instructing this, come, help come up with the affidavit, the, the main guy behind this is a guy named David Jose. Mm-hmm. If you internet search David Jose, there's a bunch of YouTube videos about him. Uh, I was just trying to find what his actual website is called here in a Telegram chat, but I have I was you, they okay. get, you get pretty lost in these Telegram chats. Easy, it's hard to find stuff. But <laughs> David Jose, uh, he publishes a, a lot of stuff on Rumble, um, you know, uh, pretty regular regularly. He, there is some stuff on YouTube, but he doesn't put anything on YouTube, and a lot of his YouTube stuff has come down. He is from Arizona. He's been very successful in. Uh, fights against DCYF, DCYF, or Child Protective Services came against him several years ago, and he basically sat down and studied uh, this, you know, sort of common law, the constitutional law stuff, you know, um, claiming that you, you know it's very first thing is you know one of the first things it says in this document uh, in this uh, affidavit is uh, you know that the uh, people yet you know. Uh, I am one of the people, as seen in New Hampshire Constitution, which is like the highest uh, authority as one of the people. You know, the governments are servant, government employees are servants of the people. And so, yeah, that's David Jose right there. Okay. Uh, he's a uh, Christian religious fella. So he talks a lot about, you know, God and Christ and, you know, which is which is fine. I'm not not super like into that stuff. I, I, I kind of like the idea of a great spirit. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I know there's something out there that's higher and greater than us. I just don't know really how to describe it or I've, uh, provide evidence of it. I've, I've come back. I used to be, uh, you know, a loud, if you will, atheist, right? And by loud, I mean not allowed, but like, you know, loud about, hey, uh, I don't really like any religion. Uh, they all claim to be, you know, superior to each other. And why that just doesn't agree with me. Uh, but I've uh, rolled that back. I now claim agnostic. Uh, for the reasons that you just cited, I am in no way, shape, or form smart enough to say that there isn't something you know that I don't understand that exists in the world. Right? Yeah. There totally is. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I already don't understand uh, about the world. Right? And I would, uh, there are specialists in things and people who know stuff about things that I've never heard of. So uh, it would be ignorant for me to believe that there wouldn't be something else out there that I don't understand that, you know, maybe people are able to tap into, or maybe it's a, you know, we'll call it force of nature, serendipity, right? These are words yep. that I use frequently to describe these things as happening. So 
Uh, yeah, I've certainly rolled back to agnostic on that. Yeah, I, I, if you want to hear like the best logical argument for atheism, I, I would suggest listening to George Carlin. And then, but it's not about logic; it's about faith. And I kind of believe a little bit here, you know. Like I definitely believe it. And uh, the thing is, you know, it's out of our control one way or another. But we have like the mechanisms control is our our own destiny. But it's not set faith, and I don't think like set fate uh, for what we do in our life. And I think it's good guidance in some ways, but, you know, some people use it in perverted ways. So you can use it for good or evil. So the uh, the thing with, um, you know, religion getting into, like, like some people I, I pass stuff on to, they're like, oh, this guy's like a Christian, whatever. And it's like, so what? You know, the the, the way I look at it is, you know, and actually it's a quote from a uh, Robert Earl Keane song is... Uh, Buddha would have been a good Christian, and <laughs> and and Christ would have, and would have been a good Buddhist. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I heard that song recently. That's a yeah. great song. Anyways, uh, you know, and and the thing is, is there is so much good stuff and so many like you know well-meaning like you know lessons and instructions in pretty much all the religions. So I got friends that are like Jewish. I got friends that are Muslim. I got friends that are Christian. And I must say, I like what a lot of these guys have had to say about their religion and certain parts about their religion. But anyways, that. That's sort of irrelevant. The idea of this um, uh, of this affidavit process is that when an affidavit is filed, it stands as the truth until it's rebutted. Okay. And then the other idea of this particular affidavit is we're writing these to state representatives because we are instructing our state representatives as the people to do something, to put a stop to... You know, these statutory created and, and, and this is what my interpretation is and my, my desire of the affidavit is to put a stop to these, you know, uh, statutory cr- statutorily created entities from violating our rights, from having any power. Sure. And uh, and, and, th- and I can actually read just a little bit uh, sort of kind of the, you know, the meat uh, of this. Yeah, uh, give us affidavit. some highlights. So take notice that the people have a common law private right to protect or to uh, yeah, take notice that the people have common law private rights protected from any compelling public interest the government may claim it has to take children, especially when the government has no firsthand witness sworn affidavits of a trespass by any one of the people toward another one of the people. Furthermore, the entity known as DCYF is a creature of the legislature and operates by legislative statutes. There is no jurisdiction for statutory entities to utilize legislative enacted statutes to terminate common law rights belonging to any one of the people. All right. So uh, for our non-attorney listeners, like, can you put that into like some layman speak? Like basically, what is what does that mean? So just because a whole bunch of people calling themselves a state legislature created a statute doesn't mean that it terminates the people's rights. Nice. So basically... And one of my things is it doesn't say this in this particular affidavit. I'm actually drafting another one yeah. uh, that's that, that's specific to my situation. But one of the things is I'm going to ask the legislature to the, the legislative officers that I send this to is what evidence do you re- rely on that these revised statutes annotated, you know, the New Hampshire RSAs yep. apply to someone merely because they're standing on a soil we call New Hampshire. Right. Yes. That that needs to get out there. Uh Black's Law, 5th edition, defines common law as being distinguished from law made by legislative enactment. So a legislative creature by the name of DCYF moving on the jurisdiction of legislatively enacted statutes operating courts that are not independent of the legislature and therefore are defined by definition are not independent courts of record. 
are collaborating to usurp jurisdiction not belonging to them to terminate common law rights of parents to maintain custody of their own children. Government cannot similarly similarly, change the status of one of the people from being one of the people to a statutory status as an obligator. Non-custodial parent, terminated parent, etc., without constitutional due process by jury. In order to gain jurisdiction and attempt to bypass the people's common law private rights. So it sounds to me like what uh, this is attempting to do is uh, get this organization, the the state in this case, uh, to treat people like people. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So how did we get to a point where something like this becomes necessary like it seems to me like common sense right most people are like oh it seems like they should just do that anyway how come they're not doing that anyway why do we need a bunch of people to get together and file some paperwork to make this happen how do we get to this point um so there's multiple elements to the to how we got to this point so we can go back to the reconstruction acts of 1867 we could back up to the executive order number one which was march 31st 1861 where you know um um who was, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank, uh, Lincoln called the militia to stand guard at Washington, D.C. And and basically the executive branch has been operating under executive order ever since. Right. And they're still doing executive orders. Yeah. We're at 50000 or something stupid, I don't know. Yeah, spending $6 trillion in a swipe yep. of a so, pen. So then another element of this is we have, uh, you know, the public school system that has uh, been, you know, grooming children for, what, twelve or 15,000 hours of their life, yeah. you know, to and, and then now we have, you know, 20 years of, you know, high-speed internet service being, you know, available in every, you know, city urban liberal area, so city you. urban area, so, you know, a lot of the kids that, well, let's back up a little bit more, so in, in the 19, what, 40s and 50s, they started, you know, giving benefits to single moms, Yep. so if you want to subsidize single moms, you're going to create, when you subsidize single moms, you create a whole bunch of single moms. So now we have like more single. The United States has more single moms actually than any other country in the world. Really? Oh yeah. The, like that sounds the, about right. The amount of children. I'd, being, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I just never heard that oh, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big Daddy government gonna help you out without right. your real biological dad. So so then we have so we have multiple elements. So right now, like a lot of people, like um, you know my parents' age, you know they've sort of have a lot less confidence in general than the generation before them. As these generations are going on, you know, uh, confidence has been lost because, you know, the parents aren't raising the kids, just like you said. For, for how long now have moms and dads been both needing to have a job in order to, no. you know, have a house no. and pay the taxes and, you know, do right. the things? So um, it, it, Efficiency has increased. So in logic, if things become more efficient because of technology and that sort, we should have shouldn't have to work as much, but they've created all kinds of inflation, yep. overspending, all these nonsense wars and whatever, whatnot. Yep. Qualified and, immunity is another uh-huh. reason that we have to you know go through this affidavit process. The Federal Reserve printing money out of thin air, essentially giving these governments un, uh, you know um, unlimited yeah, it, resources that's exactly to come against what it is. us. It's money. We we have the Bar Association, which is basically like a, 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 a an employees union for all the lawyers, the all attorneys. the judges, yeah. all yeah. the prosecutors. Legitimize um, them to keep them around to keep making more money. It's yeah, just um, no point to what they're doing we all know it 
Everyone's awake to this. Everyone knows that this is the well, truth. I wish everyone knew. I wish everyone. Well, knew. no, no, you have to solidify. Like they already know, guys. But but this Come is on. really good to like lay out these elements. So like psychological. So so let's understand that the bar association <laughs> through the lawyers and stuff and all these attorneys. A lot of them are representatives. A lot of them are working in executive branches of government, not as attorneys, but happen to be attorneys. Right. All of these uh, bar association members have like a, a, a an allegiance and an oath to the bar that is you know above any oath to the people. Even the social workers in New in New Hampshire who run around, you know, collecting babies and, and harassing people and using the local cops to intimidate people and, you know, bringing these bogus, you know, claims to these, um, uh, you know, family courts. Yep. They don't have uh, an oath of office. Right. Yeah. I, I wrote a public records request to the director of DCYF for the oath of office of Melissa Coombs and a director of uh, the oath of office of the director of DCYF. And they responded with. Uh, there, there state employees aren't required to have an oath of office. Huh. So the idea, wow. the biggest, wow. I, the, yeah. the idea bet- yeah. behind this um, affidavit is the state legislature. We kind of don't want controls. them deputized. They deputize them, right? Sorry to interrupt, but like, well, I mean, well, we can dwell on that for a second. I mean, so first of all, oaths of office, right, uh, is something that you're supposed to take personally when you when you take one. Yeah, right. Uh, but we know, factually speaking. Uh, they appear to be meaningless, uh, uh, you know, at least on a collective basis. Now, individually, somebody might take an oath of office or an oath of like even becoming like a policeman or something like that. They take an oath. Yep. So uh, they have to they have to internalize yeah. it and take it seriously. And if they don't, well, then what happens? So I'll tell They're you, breaking their oath to their brothers. I but, will. I will tell you that in Massachusetts. We did a really deep dive on oath of office of uh, prosecutors, judges, state troopers. And local police officers. Yeah. Uh, so in the uh, John Adams building in Massachusetts, where basically the Supreme Court is, there is that is where they hold all the oaths for all the judicial officers, and these lawyers are all judicial officers and judges. Okay. None of them have a signature on them. Uh, so they so recite they the oath, but they never sign? So the, <laughs> we don't know if they recite the oath. Oh. So basically, from what I understand, the way it was explained to me by a, a lawyer, that when he went to do his oath, yeah. that he basically went to like some big courtroom or some auditorium. It was like on some kind of you know graduation whatever day or something. Okay. I, I don't know how it was described. but uh, And then they all took an oath. And he said that, you know, somebody, you know, recited the oath and they recited it back. And, and this is what he said. But I said, did you ever put your signature on an oath, on, 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 on some kind of That's oath where, card? Yeah. I mean, pictures would said, be enough to prove it. But, like, I think a signature is important that you're putting your name on this thing because you're wholeheartedly so, believing it. Uh, go ahead. You have- so, so the state troopers, the judges, and these were judges in land court in Massachusetts, by the way. In fact, there was a judge in palmer district court none of them had subscribed oath cards and the constitution clearly says in in new hampshire and in massachusetts that all government agents are to sign and subscribe oh no swear and subscribe and scribe an oath and put their signature on it and they don't do that well uh so the local uh, the local police in palmer the ones at palmer mass and actually uh, a, a couple of towns in new hampshire i've i've seen where the local police actually sign an oath of office. Oh. The local police actually have that. Your state representatives sign an oath, oath of office of in a, New Hampshire. Think of like an oath as, it's very important because like, like just like how a, uh, a doctor takes an oath to do no harm. Yeah. Isn't that what they're saying? They're gonna, I'm taking an oath to this office and I'm going to hold, you know, you know, my integrity on the line well, to do no harm. The, the oath states, I, 
Joe Schmo do hereby swear to uphold the rights of the people right. as described in the Constitution for the state of New Hampshire right. and the Constitution for the United States of America. I'm you know, paraphrasing. Sure, it. yeah. So, <clears throat> the, and, and the important thing is about the oath, and if you go on my YouTube channel, you, uh, Jay Noon, mm-hmm. just, um, I, I believe that's what my YouTube channel is, uh, you can find a... Um, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at this kind of stuff, but you, you can find there's a video where the social worker comes to my comes to my land comes to my home yep and i asked her in the video i said do you have an oath of office and the reason i asked her that is because she starts telling me she has a right to access my children <laughs> and the thing is is yeah. if you do an internet search so i did an internet search nh new hampshire dcyf settlements Hundreds. i remember th- this was highlighted on high impact flicks i just want to drop his name because if you want to see like there's a big video now. I, I, you've gotten a lot of views on that, right? Uh, I, I do, well, I don't. Oh, yeah. So high, yes, that's right. High impact flicks. Um, he he did talk about that. I don't know how many views that that particular one up, got. But there's some attention to it, so I hopefully yep. that helped. I don't know if that you got. I yeah, some I don't contact. Not really. <laughs> um, he that guy did put that he wanted to interview me, but uh, nothing ever happened with that. I don't know, yeah. if, you know. But anyways, so if you just internet search your local state and. Um, you know, the uh, D- and child protection service settlements. Well, in New Hampshire, I just kept on finding like these horrible articles. In oh fact, it, it made me imagine. sick to my stomach just imagining, you know, like children, like three, four, five year old kids being, you know, molested by, you know, foster parents right. that are DCYF employees that are put in, and, and, and then I find all this stuff. Like, and there's in, a bunch of cover up of that oh, stuff. And it's oh, oh, gone for on sure. for, oh, for sure. 30 years or and, something. And, and, and I heard a crazy story of Rhode Island. It was insane. There is so much crazy stuff going on with DCYF. Did you actually hear Eamon Bundy? Got a judgment against him for $52 million from St. Luke's Hospital because he put out a call to action for people to basically like look into and like the St. Luke's Hospital was involved in child trafficking where they took a baby. The baby's name is Baby Cyrus. There's a mm-hmm. whole documentary oh, about Baby Cyrus yeah. where they take this baby for medical neglect. And as soon as they take the baby, uh, the state seizes the baby from the rightful family, they, they, uh, f- uh, Give it to a foster family. They adopt it out. Right. This adoption racket is huge. And one of the things with with my particular case is, is all the people that I had talked to that had dealt with DCYF and had DCYF issues. As soon as they looked at my kids, uh, they're like, "Wow, your kids are beautiful and they're smart and they're unvaccinated and like they're they're all there." My kids are like, you know, a light years you know Solid, ahead yeah. of um, you know most of their. Their peers now actually all the kids that they hang out with are homeschooled and unvaccinated, so those kids are all on the same level, which is really awesome. Yeah. But anyways, they're like, oh yeah, they want your kids. Yeah. You know, they want yeah. to take that baby. They're worth a lot of money on the above board uh, adoption thing. Well, yeah. and there's an underground circuit too. There are people, uh, kids, uh, who oh, yeah. disappear every year from foster systems, yep. you know, child protection services, uh, even newborns who yeah, just vanish. Montgomery Where do Har- they go? Montgomery Harmony is one. Uh, she was uh, taken from the mom. The mom was having some type of substance abuse issue. Didn't seem like she was really a bad mother from what I could tell. And sort of given to the father. And the father was like, um, from what I understand, I could be a little wrong. And it's been a while since I got into it. But basically the mom's like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? You yeah. took my kid. And they're like, yeah, n- nothing from DCYF. She's going crazy about it. 
And then it turns out the baby's been missing for two years. Nobody had contact with it. Jeez. You know, the the father, it, you know, got some, you know, dead known prostitute in, you know, in his um, apartment in Manchester. You know, the guy's like a drug dealer. He, the, his mugshot looks like, you know, somebody who was on a cast of, of um, you know, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, you know, typical whatever, yeah. you know, junkie. Yep. Yep. And um, so anyways, uh, the, the kid's just missing. And that's going to be, a, that, and that's a massive liability to the people. Oh, yeah. Uh, another reason that an, a, an affidavit like this is of very much of interest, should be of interest to anyone in New Hampshire who pays taxes. So if you buy gasoline... Or you went to a, a restaurant, you've paid some taxes, or you own some land, you pay some taxes, you register a car, you pay some taxes. The second, I believe it's uh, Article 2 of the New Hampshire Constitution talks about how taxpayers, which is not a term I like to identify sure, as, yeah. but they have a right to sue the state. Yeah. So by in, in, by the qualified immunity, by the, you know, the fact that these social workers are literally trained to maximize revenue for DCYF, that these people are extremely inefficient, they cost a lot of money. Uh, and they are driving. They are making your taxes go up. They are. They are clearly just wasting time, wasting money, especially with my case. And I caught them. Most people don't catch them in these kind of lies. Don't point out these kind of lies because they're just scared. And they usually hire a lawyer, and a lawyer tells them just to cooperate and just to go along to get along. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, plea bargain. Because the p- purpose of a lawyer is keep everybody in the box. Right. Yeah. So About more money too. <laughs> it's, it's just another money pit. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, it looks like your YouTube channel is at jnoon4501, okay. and that's J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E, for those of you who don't know how to spell Mr. Noon's name, uh, at jnoon4501. Um, if folks in New Hampshire want to support you and this affidavit and the people who've you know assisted you with putting this together, how can they do that? Uh, well, to, okay, so my website is not set up for this yet. I was actually just uh, earlier today talking with a guy to help me out on, you know, who helps me out with this. I'm going to make a, a link on my website specifically to this affidavit. Okay. Uh, hopefully that'll happen within the next 24 hours. I, I honestly don't even know how to do that part. Uh, but uh, it's okay. You're did, human? Yep. What? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, uh, so to, to, uh, to help out me. Um, if you wanted to email me, j at jnoon.com, that's okay. J-A-Y at J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com, and you, you want to, uh, I'll send you a direct link to the to this particular affidavit, but if you're uh, on New Hampshire and you are disgusted with, you know, what's going on with DCYF and the fact, and, the, and in this particular case, DCYF and Concord Police have uh, colluded uh, against my wife because what had happened is, the social workers, you know, lied in, in in two affidavits that about what the police had said and police had stated. The poli- the chief of police actually went into court, mm-hmm. um, did an expedited motion to intervene, and got a motion to vacate. They actually put a um, uh, a contempt order on us, which is a, you know just some bogus. Uh, it's all bogus in, in family court because you know you can't put hold someone in contempt unless they've been ordered to do something, and the assessment doesn't order. You know, the mom or dad in, in these cases do something in order as a police officer. Uh-huh. Oh, here's a whole other element. I said to the local police, I go, hey, you guys want to commit this, uh, uh, c- complete this assessment? Go for it. And DCYF told the local police they weren't qualified to, c- to, to do the assessment because Jeez. DCYF does not get the federal <laughs> government money right. unless they yeah. do it. Even though the order, the assessment order says a police officer, money, a social money. worker shall, you know, inspect premises, interview child, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so it's a whole racketeering scam. Uh, and, and we need to pressure 
the people in legislature via these affidavits, we as the people need to order our servants to do their job. And uh, my intention is to shut down DCYF so it can't violate anyone else's rights because the taxpayers of New Hampshire have paid out over $300 million, quite literally, in the past decade in settlements by DCYF. And then you got that whole Sununu Center where, they've been, where they were raping kids for years. Right. And, uh, and you know, nobody's gone, stayed after school. Nobody's went for detention. And this is also why we have to get rid of qualified immunity. We need to get rid of the federal government, kick it out of our life, because the federal government is pouring tons of money into this to make this stuff happen. Uh, great job, Jay. Uh, I appreciate what you do. Good luck with all of this. Thank you. Uh, we've got more Free Talk Live coming up. Uh, we want to talk about, well, we could talk about our congressman unethical. Uh, we could also talk about some other stuff. We'll also take your calls and thoughts at 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number two is next. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live. Man, I got like one stray hair in my beard that keeps like popping up and sticking out one side. And just, like, tickling every you. time I look down, it's just like pointed out and I keep trying to tuck it back into the greater part of the beard in hopes that it won't come out. I think you need a bobby pin. A bobby pin. I need <laughs> a captain pin. <laughs> there's, a new, there's a new barber in town. There is? Yeah. Do they take crypto? Uh, I actually asked him that because mm-hmm. he was standing out there while his new sign was being put up. How about Goldbacks? Uh, I didn't, yeah. you know, I bet he would because he had a giant gold chain. I mean, uh, he's all about he's that gold. gold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is Free Talk Live. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, in the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me, Jay Noon and Joa. Uh, we have been talking about uh, all sorts of fun stuff uh, about government, about DCYF, about child protection services, about due process, about. How government seems to incentivize the worst things. Uh, we've talked about this oath particular of government, office. anyways. Well, right, <laughs> uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, if you want to opine on that, you can, or you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, let's go to some of your calls and thoughts right now. I believe this is Ricky from the Commonwealth. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you, there, brother, Captain, brother Jay, brother Joe. Been a hey. while. Good evening. How are you? How are you? It's on your mind, Ricky. I'm doing this. Well, tonight's a special night, and I'm glad Brother Jay's on. And I wanted to help me at first. 
for the for all the listeners. See, I'm wearing something very special tonight. Uh, I got my package today, and I got my well. I'll tell talk about that in a little bit, but I got my special battle flag. Now, brother Jay, if you could do Ricky from the Commonwealth a favor, I'd really appreciate it. If you could tell all the listeners just a little bit about. Uh, the battle flag of North Virginia Army, the one that's square with a border, and kind of tell him a little bit about Wait, it, describe it. Before to he does, flag. before he does, I just want to know, Ricky, are you wearing it like tied around like your neck, like a cape or something? Are you like super even, Ricky even with the battle flag? Even better. See, I wore the wrong one, like so many do. The three by five. This is a three foot by three foot square. And uh, what I do is I have the two. And the grommets, they're on my pectoral muscles with double-faced tape. I'm wearing now, and it comes down to my on waist. Your, on your nipple rings? Oh, uh, a little bit. No, I don't, I don't have nipple <laughs> rings, but that's all right if people do. <laughs> you know, if it's right above that, though, and it right. comes down to my waist. I'm so envisioning all this right now. All right, all right. Well, let's, let's let Jay answer um, your question. Sorry to disappoint you. I, I don't know really anything about this Virginia uh, square flag. I know the Virginia Constitution is really good. It's got pretty great um, you know, stuff in it, but I'm sorry, Ricky. Well, well, maybe I better describe it. There you go. See, everybody does have the wrong one, which is a, a rectangle flag with the elongated cross. Uh, and now here's the differences. Uh, the the battle flag in North Virginia Army. This was the one that was not officially adopted, but was uh, by by 1863. For all intents and purposes, uh, the flag of the Confederacy. It's this is three by three feet exactly square. It's got a border around it. Maybe I don't know about an inch. Uh, now, of course, you have the elongated, elongated cross, which look a little different because it's square. Now, you have the stripes along each side of the cross. Then you have the stars. But then the most important thing is the shade of red, but most importantly is the shade of blue. See, because the Navy flag had like a royal blue. The best one I could describe this is... It, what did it represent again? What was it representing? The battle flag of North Virginia Army. This was the flag of the Confederacy. Now, so it was just representing my, where the battlefield was? The battle flag? I'm not sure. That was General Lee's army there, Brother Joe. That was the flag of the Confederacy. This is the one the flag bearer carried in battle. This is the one people had in the 1860s, not the other one. That was of the Navy. Now, my particular one... See, the one I had in, in 17... That was I, I hear what you're saying. Flag. I hear what you're saying. Like, that was a $26 flag. This had to be hand-sewn and put together in right, pieces. Right, right, right. Okay, this is a $356 flag. Now, uh, how, how, much, how much did you pay for this? $356 flag. Oh. I had a hell of a time finding so it's, this. Is this, the, uh, is this the flag on top of the General Lee of the Dukes of Hazard? Correct. That's okay. the only place you That's ever That's all you had to say. This is the war. There you I, go. I looked it up, and I can see how there's hand-sewn ones, and they're not all like exactly the same, and uh, which is fine. And that shows what you're saying is that um, people would just make them, them themselves, and then you know fly it. So and now I, this was not this was professionally put together. Though. Sure. Oh, I, I do have a question though, Ricky, and and yeah. take take a second to think about it when I ask this. But certainly, certainly. What is the purpose of a flag? I will That's tell you. I, was really asking, I will yeah. tell you. See, as I've said before, this time I'm making an official campaign promise. 
if elected in 2026, it's not going to be me. It will be we. I'm just the vessel. But I will see to it that the U.S. Constitution blowing away and uh, Pennsylvania become, become the Confederate Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now, the purpose of the flag. So you're a secessionist, is what you're saying? I'm I'm beyond that. <laughs> okay. But the point is, oh, far when it comes, to answer your question, if I may, Captain, see, unlike the stars and stripes, there's nothing, there's not one damn thing good about that flag. I hate that flag. See, this flag, on the other hand, see, there is something good about this flag. See, these people were fighting for their land. The land is what it was all about. You know, and this flag represented hope, you know. And ever since then, you know, you had other individuals like the Klan briefly and then the Dixiecrats. But, see, I'm actually using it for the right reason. But, but wait, didn't, you know? didn't the Europeans come in and, and basically take the land from the Native Americans? Huh? Under that flag, though? Uh, under any flag, really. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a know. good point, under right. any flag. But I do, I, I do like what you're saying, though, is that uh, I'm all about the idea of uh, – bringing back the origins of symbols to the purpose, right? Like, See, you know, just the like the swastika has been tainted, right? Like, I mean, right, that's an extreme right. well, example, example, but I'm not saying I'm going to put the swastika, you know, on yeah, my please, bumper. Please don't. Like, <laughs> no, here's the example. In, 18, in 1864, November 1864, exactly, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania came so close to blowing it away, you couldn't, can't get any closer. But you know what? It was a last-minute decision they chose not. And I'm glad they did, because I probably wouldn't have been born. But, see, it was the right answer, just the wrong time. It's the right time mm. now. Okay. All right. Um, good luck I with that. This flag. Yeah. I hope that this, works, whatever that symbolism yeah, does for you. I just, you know, while I was sitting here, I looked up a purpose of a flag. It says flags originally were used mainly in warfare, and to some extent they have remained insignia. Uh, this says of leadership, I'm going to say of statism, uh, serving for the identification of friend or foe and as rallying points. They are now also extensively employed for signaling, for decoration, and for display. So out, uh, outside of statism, right, uh, you know, you're going to see dudes holding flags at like the airport to direct traffic, stuff right. like that. Uh, you're going to see people, uh, you know, probably uh, displaying some sort of flag, uh, you know, of, of a nation. I guess that's still statism when they're like on a boat in the water, that kind of a thing. Uh, I guess that's still statism. But as far as statism is concerned, flags are gang colors. And like, it's also a way to uh, uh, virtue signal. May. Right. Well, if they do I mention signaling. Hang on, hang on, Ricky. They do mention right. signaling, but they don't specifically call it virtue signaling. So I don't know if that's wrapped up in, in what they say about signaling or if it's I something don't know when I see Well, that makes sense because like, when line. police turn their lights on, it's like them raising the Jolly Roger. You see, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm Ricky just making from up. the Commonwealth, <laughs> wear this flag. See, Ricky from the Commonwealth, wear this flag. And what this battle flag means... See, the state, all that is, is a strong-arm extension of the federal government. And I plan to blow them both away, down with the eagle, up with the cross. Long live the Confederacy. Uh, right, I, Ricky, I try not to. The call, well, man. the definition of state in New Hampshire, uh, statutory construction manuals, uh, which okay. is Article 4, Section 21, defines state as being the United States. Which is and the District of Columbia territories and possessions. So when he says that the state is just an extension of the federal government, yeah. he's exactly correct. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't want a symbol representing uh, an ideology. I want the ide- ideology to be naturally occurring and just like kind of expressed versus like, I believe in this and this represents all these things. And I, and it's like, oh, what if they just tear down your symbol? Right. You for all offended now. I, I keep thinking about uh, George Carlin's bit about the flags. He's like, flags are symbols and I leave symbols to the symbol minded. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't like. Okay, first of all, can you just picture? Now, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Ricky from the Commonwealth, but can you imagine that guy? Like, I don't know, hanging out on his front porch, wearing this flag on his back, right? You know, I don't know. He's probably got a scroll in his hand. Or I mean, I just have this like bizarre uh, vision in my head of 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 Ricky uh, being what most folks would probably drive by and go, "Oh, nope, there's crazy Ricky again." <laughs> so, so the Ricky brought up Virginia. I believe Virginia is a Commonwealth, also. Yes. And uh, I'd like to read a little spot from the uh, Virginia Constitution. All right. Can you just explain for the lay people, what's the difference between a commonwealth and, well, not one? Um, you know, I'm not, not 100% sure, actually. Me neither. I, I'm really not. I know Massachusetts is a commonwealth. There's something about uh, these states were sort of given, like, preferential. They were, I think that they were deemed as commonwealths before they started coming up with states. Because uh, Maine, and I could be a little wrong about this. So another way to sort of describe the geography of where they mm, ruled? It's more of describing a political, you know, subdivision or something, maybe. It but, sounds like socialism, commonwealth. Right. Like, it's like, it sounds it's like, like you're all acting together for everybody's benefit. Yeah. So I know one of the like, elements of a commonwealth is like, oh, if you injured somebody or you cause someone damage and they don't want to bring a charge against you, the commonwealth is going to do it anyways. Uh, which is morphed into, oh, it, you know, if you've um, offended somebody, uh, committed an offense, because, you know, so many of these, uh, you know, uh, particular statutes are referred to as offenses. But I'm not 100% sure the difference between a commonwealth and a uh, Wikipedia, real quick, just has a commonwealth is a traditional English term for a political community founded for the common good. The noun commonwealth, meaning public welfare, general good or advantage, dates from the 15th century. So that's the yep, that the, sounds right. The, the long and the short of it. So Virginia Constitution Article 1 Section 15 qualities necessary to preservation of a free government. So the Virginia Constitution says free government that no free government nor the blessings of liberty can be preserved to any people but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, uh frugality and virtue. By frequent references, uh, reoccurrences to fundamental principles, and by the rec- and by the recognition by all citizens that have duties as well as rights, and such rights cannot be enjoyed in a society, say uh, cannot be enjoyed save in a society where law is respected and due process is observed. So you know, government's supposed to be frugal. Government's supposed to be moderate, and uh, we have all of these examples where government is extremely wasteful. Uh, and, and this is, uh, basically the last paragraph of this affidavit I've been talking about where they, you know, reference the, uh, Virginia constitution and how, how free government ought to operate. Hmm. Interesting. Um, before we go on, I do want to mention free talk live. You guys, I I don't, I wasn't even aware we have a TikTok now. uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. It seems to be a thing that like, yeah, the younger folks, younger than me anyway, I've been into, I never really got into tiktok i you know never really joined it I, i've never you know, even looked at it i occasionally see 
uh, videos, you know, that are on TikTok posted to other social media like Twitter or whatever, right, where people will share them. But Free Talk Live does have a TikTok. Uh, it's TikTok.com forward slash at Free Talk Live. So if you want to check out some Free Talk Live uh, videos, you can find them there. Uh, it's just uh, something that we wanted to mention, make sure all of our folks who are listening are aware that we are on TikTok. So if you're there, uh, visit TikTok.com forward slash Free Talk oh, I can Live. see it right here. It looks very nice. Again, uh, some good views. Getting some good views. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting, some, getting a following. I, I was surprised that we had one, so I just want to make sure that we mention it. Yeah, you should definitely, definitely go on there right now. You got some time? Do it right now. Go. Boom. And then you're like, oh, wow, these little clips are pretty funny. Anything else about the Virginia Constitution? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, I want to I want to segue here. Segway. Neck breaker. That's right. Prepare yourself for the oh non-segue segue. I got whiplash. Um, uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, let's talk about library, LBRY. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, man. It, it's such a sad thing to have to talk about, but uh, an odyssey has posted... Uh, the end of Library Inc. LBRY. Uh, longtime listeners of Free Talk Live will know that Library uh, was uh, trying to be a competitor uh, to YouTube uh, with more freedom, right? Whereas YouTube is full of censorship and you know strikes and you know canceling right. people and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Library attempted to be that which YouTube is not. And uh, they ran into some problems with the man, of course. Uh, yeah, can I read it? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, sure. No, and it wasn't a man. It was a statutory creature. No, it is very far from being creature. a man. We I are men. The, the man, right, is, you know, the the euphemism for government. Yeah, that's going right? to stop because government is not a what man. What do you call it? A statutory creature? It's a statutory creature, is just it, like DCYF is a statutory creature, like it, I was reading. Is it really a creature, though? Yes, and I mean, that is what it's... Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly a beast. It's a creation of the legislature. So the Securities and Exchange Commission is who came against LR, LBRY. Right. And they are a creation of essentially the legislative branch. Uh they are which, you know, which basically the, so the whole purpose of the legislature, far as I can tell, yeah. is to regulate executive creatures. The creatures the the, the creations I, of the I'm, executive branch. I'm just having a hard time with the word creature because creatures to me are or physical beings, whereas uh, legislation is all inside of our heads. It's well, a, yeah, it's it's a it's a two dimensional entity, is what I've called right. it because it's just words on paper. Right, that's all it is. But yeah, they 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 refer to them as statutory creatures in law. Okay, so that's a legal it's like term. Creators, yeah. okay. but yeah. creatures. Okay. Right. I think that's how. Uh, Don't anyways. fight the man. Be the man. Uh, yeah, definitely. Or uh, be man at least. Well, I don't think that's just not really. I think it's we're about to talk about just the opposite here. But this is the end of Library Inc. Let me read this here. Library Inc. must die. There is no escaping this. It has lost a judgment to the federal government. I know I was there. I went to that court. Has several million dollars in debts and has pledged to shut down. This will be our last post. And then they show they show a little thumbnail, a little uh, movie screen clip of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. You can't win, you pathetic life form. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And yeah, and Jeremy is going to be starting new ventures, so it's, he's that's, not done. That's Jeremy and, Kauf. That's Kaufman, right, Jeremy the founder Kaufman, of yes. Library and Odyssey. And uh, you know, they just they go on to what's happening with Library. 
And uh, I read this earlier, but I think in a nutshell, what they're saying is it's going to exist as long as there's people mining to keep the blockchain alive. And uh, I think there's enough out there. Actually, this may, because it's out of Odyssey and Library's control, well, not Odyssey really, but the Library's control, it almost like lays it on the people for, say that, you know, th- this uh, method to exist. And I think that's the way it should be, just like how the government should get out of libraries, you know, like we should have more private libraries everywhere. I'm just making a pun with that, but it's the same concept, you know, privatization and government uh, not being able to reach into and censor. And it- well, all the modern day, you know, online libraries are essentially censored, heavily censored. Well, yeah. And, and they're, and they're, digital burning of information is essentially what it is so apparently i'm wrong and i just want to dwell on maybe the first uh, paragraph yeah, go here. Ahead, go ahead. So, yeah um so of course the sec got involved uh but it says uh all assets including odyssey are being placed into receivership as of this post all library executives employees and board members have resigned all will be doing what is required to satisfy any outstanding legal requirements but no more than that of course, why else would, I mean, why would you do anything right, more right. than what's required? Uh, what is happening to the library network? Fortunately, LBRY isn't our network. It's a decentralized network, and all of the code powering it is open source, which I find interesting, and I actually applaud that, because uh, that means any industrious person, persons, anonymous or otherwise, can go and copy this code and make it into something that, uh, in theory, uh, governments can't touch. A decentralized autonomous organization of sorts, uh, if you will. And if, if you don't know what open source is and how that's important, is that this is something that you could learn how to code not, and you can look at their code and decipher how they built this, how they built their websites, and how they built this blockchain technology, and then you can change and alter it and update it the way you see fit, because it's open source, you can to where just, they didn't they didn't hide anything. You know, to I mean? where like the source on uh, YouTube, I doubt is open. Yeah, so you, <laughs> know, you you can't go look and see what the YouTube al- algorithm's doing and no, what it's no, pushing. No. And so you can do all this stuff on LBRY, which you know makes it really transparent. And you know, because you know YouTube and and Twitter and all these guys, they do you know shadow banning and you know uh, stuff like that and it's just like with the voting machines the voting machines have this software that you cannot look up not open source and they congress can can't even look at want. it uh election committees can't even look at it because it's proprietary private software of a for-profit corporation yep. like diebold or something and these voting machines is ridiculous they have a ticker printer on them and they when you put your ballot in there it should spit you out a little receipt like an atm machine and all you got to do is program it to do it. And, hey, you, you know who you just voted for in a ballot. If it spit you out a receipt, you voted for this. It would be really hard for them to cheat. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and, like, the idea that the software, and that's another thing that's, you know, in committee here, and they're using this affidavit process for here in New Hampshire. There's a whole other affidavit about the voting machines, right. getting rid of the voting machines. Uh, and this David I'm, Jose network, is uh, they're working on that in uh, Arizona and a whole bunch of other states on getting rid of the electronic voting machines because, there, and, and unless there was open source blockchain chain technology, you can't verify anything, and you can't trust those evil people behind these corporations. Yeah, I went to the um, the state house with uh, Chris Wade Penguin, we know. Yep, and uh, he um, testified for uh, the state to use. I mean, I don't really want the state to do anything, but testified the state to use open source, you know, 
software yeah, yeah. because using the open source stuff, you don't have to worry about some other agency and private corporation reading into all the sensitive materials, perhaps, and uh, or just having their fingers in it to control it. Uh, and that way, you know, the open source it maybe have a little bit of a learning curve, and it's not just handed to you. Good point, because blockchain technology, if nothing else, yeah, is honest. Exactly. Right? It, it, yeah. it can't not be honest. Right, if right. it's open That's source, why if it's it was open, built. decentralized, right, all of the the qualities that make it a blockchain, and in fact, uh, library goes on to say what's happening with the library network. Well, it says fortunately, library isn't our network; it's a decentralized network. Correct. All code is open source, uh, but uh, it will only work if enough people continue to use it. So right. who knows? It's not like they're library experts. This they should on spawn to say. a movement for people to use library. And I, I encourage everyone out there to go do that. Maybe I should use it more, too. But I at least use Odyssey. 603-283-6160. More free talk live, including your calls and thoughts, is coming up. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is, is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move 20,000 people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country. That, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market. Making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist, libertarian community, and it's, it's only getting bigger. That's amazing, to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. We don't, we don't do that on any other day, Joe. I know you're excited, but you'll have to just save it for the next time you, you guest on a Sunday. And we're back. Oh, man. <laughs> I had you muted and everything. I thought it was safe. You've usurped my, my ability as an audio engineer to keep you muted. Uh, it is Free Talk Live. Uh, it is, uh, the telephone number here is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Uh, In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Jay Noon. And Joe. Uh, Before we go on, this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Uh, Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and protected from 51% attacks by its chain lots chain locks technology dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization that means no one can ever take it down by targeting any sort of a centralized thing there's no office where all the dash employees like work or whatever there's no one person in charge of it there's it's no people dashing around keeping it, it lives, going. you know uh, of its own accord 
as long as the network exists, Dash exists. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases using Dash at all sorts of national retailers. And Spritz.Finance also allows for bill pay. And uh, if you need some USD, it'll figure out how to do that for you as well. So uh, thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash today. That's Dash.org. All right. Uh, we are going to go to this caller. Uh, it's Mr. David Ridley of the RidleyReport.com. Oh. Or is it RidleyReport.com? Or is it Gandhi? Yeah, if you type the, you're going to go nowhere. <laughs> so RidleyReport.com. Dave Ridley, everybody. Welcome. Yeah. Well, coincidentally, I was already planning on calling in about Jeremy Kaufman tonight. Okay, so uh, for those listeners who don't know, uh, in the previous segment, we were talking about LBRY, also yep. pronounced library, and it has made a post uh, you know, basically asking, is this the end of library? And we started to get into that, but uh, Jeremy Kaufman is the founder of Library and Odyssey. So, uh, Mr. Ridley, what did you want to talk about? Well, I guess he must be the uh, the rogue of the hour, um, if we're both talking about it. But I was calling him for different reasons, and I finally got around to listening to the you know, to the hearing that they held for him, for the, the Free State Project, when they, they kicked him off the board. Oh, right. I have not yeah. watched that yet. Oh, man, that was, yeah. It, it, like, you I watched, that? like, I don't know, 30 seconds of it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was not appealing That's to me. All, that was enough. I was me. like, I'm not, this isn't going to entertain me. It'll only frustrate me, and uh, I've, you know, I've got better things to do with my life. But go ahead. Dave's got a summary, I hope. Well, yeah, I, uh, like they said, like that one guy once said, I read Bill Gates' book, so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually found it pretty interesting. And uh, both, so both, both Jeremy and one of the members on the board that voted to, to can him, both of them have been advertisers on the Riddler Report or they've donated money okay. to the Riddler Report. So uh, I guess I'd, I'm maybe a little bit non-biased and I didn't really care. I really don't care much what happens on the free state board, but watching this was interesting. Uh, and, and uh, what was most interesting was that um, everyone seemed to, well, not everyone. It seemed like mainly Jeremy and Carla wanted to just yell over each other at the, at the whole time. They were, it seemed like they were interrupting each other a lot. Uh, hardly anyone else did any talking Jason Sorens did some talking, who's the founder of the Free State Project. Um, but you know him, he's kind of got that Harry Potter vibe. Uh, but what was interesting was they, they <laughs> accused does, him of... He? I'm still kind of not even... Sh- they were accusing him of something, but it was just so vague. It was like, you yelled at someone at a pork, at pork fest during American Idol, and you said things we don't like, but they didn't quote anything that he said. Um, and you mean, I, you mean the, again, you lose, you're on. a loser. That's, that's what Jeremy said to some guy. It was, it wasn't really nice, but you know, that's what happened on that. Or are we talking about at he apologized, pork he apologized for it. Um, and, uh, but again, he seemed to do, he seemed to be doing a, almost half the talking. He was definitely doing the plurality of the talking, but it was more like, it felt more like half. Well, you're and on part, defense. You know, I felt, you know, he felt, he was a yeah. little bit, you know, uh, and um, uh, so, but some of the things that they accused him of were really what was telling to me, and that was disturbing that they were that this would even be considered an accusation. So I have some quotes here. Carla Garrick says, "Quote: 
you told me you would not obey, unquote. <laughs> I mean, how is that not just like part of being the Free State Project, right? Is, is he even libertarian? <laughs> and and um, uh, But then Jason also, I'm uh, not Jason, um, uh, Jeremy also you know, said something that was a little bit disturbing. Uh, Jason accused Jeremy of defending apartheid in a post, which, of course, he didn't quote. So what does that mean, defending apartheid? We, 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 did you even say what, which apartheid are they talking about, right? The one in Israel or the one in South Africa? Mm-hmm. Or the one in America. Right. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And um, uh, so, but then he told Jason after this ac- accusation, instead of just quoting himself or demanding a quote, the, he tells Jason to, quote, shut the F-bomb up. Quote, but he didn't say F bomb. <laughs> he right. said the F bomb, right? I'm sure, yeah. So um, that was kind of rude. And um, uh, then, um, but here's, a, here's another here's another quote that stood out to me. This was from Carla. Quote, she's saying to Jeremy, quote, "You did not follow corporate etiquette." <laughs> Unquote. Corporate, corporate etiquette. etiquette. Well, all right. So I, I remember watching this, but wasn't it really about money? Wasn't it about money? Sorens admitted they were, oh, they were, oh, yeah. that it was about. They were pretty open about open about that. Yeah, well, that's they, also why they kicked Ian out. Uh, you know, uninvited Ian. Let's say you know, a few years back, it was because there was a donor that was donating a uh, you know an s ton of money to the yep. Free State Project, who's basically like, I'm not going to donate. You're going to lose me unless you get rid of them. That's crazy. And, uh, because that's why they got. That's that's the only reason. From what I understand, that but you're not going to find that in any minutes or recordings anywhere. Right. Yeah. And, th- and yeah, that what you're saying there and what just happened is like really just proven that it's up for bid. Uh, Free State Project, if you want to be controlled by some donor. Like the Koch brothers. You got a lot of, yeah, the Koch <laughs> brothers just come in. Hey, we oh, this Free State Project? Well, we're going to make this a little bit more conservative, I'm, or not we? Are. I'm still <laughs> waiting. Uh, the callers, multiple, uh, at least two, have accused Free Talk Live of being funded. By the Koch brothers, and I'm I'm just saying that like they have bad accounting because I have not received my check. Like ten, like a, oh, I thought you were gonna say baggy. I like have the Koch brothers. Ten oh. years ago, there was some like whole video done <laughs> different, different Coke. on how like Pete Air and um, Ademo and Ian and Mark were all funded by the Koch brothers, right, yeah. and like basically all of these you know sort of kind of first you know mover activist types, right? Uh, and and this, this, I, I was in Colorado it was 10 years ago and I heard this, you know, and uh, I was listening to it. Well, here's the thing is that uh, they definitely offer um, people to work for an hour, hourly wage, knocking doors. And it's all funded by the Cook Brothers, but it might be because they gave that money to a campaign like, say, friends that we know that are running a free state, free state, uh, uh, you know, participants are running for office and the Cook Brothers are funding it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's who you're getting paid through. I mean, that's just... How it is? I think if you have a moral aspect to it, okay, yeah, take their money, but don't don't work for a candidate you don't like. So, or if you're gonna work for a candidate, like only preach the things that you care about, you know. And I, I it's a little bit selling yourself out, but you know, that's it's all about money. It's money is a motivator, Ridley. So I would have, I was going to, or I was planning to bring that up too, that they said that one of their main donors had threatened to withdraw funding if he was, if Jeremy remained on the board. Right. Uh, and I don't know, has, has Jeremy written something on Twitter or somewhere that I, that you can quote that is really disturbing, you know, from a freedom perspective or, or, or something. I, I, I've heard that he has, but not that again, I've, I'm not, like, I, I've seen some of his stuff that like, I mean, to an extent, 
much like we are here at Free Talk Live, to, to some extent we're shock jocks, right? We say things that normal people will go, <gasps> right? You know, that's that's kind of what we do here. And so to that extent, Jeremy Kaufman is, uh, you know, an online uh, presence, right, That that is sort of a shock jock. And he says things, and I don't know if he was in control of the uh, the, the FSP Twitter or not, but uh, there there were some rumblings about, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. You're you're not representing the Free State Project I'm appropriately. Not sure, I'm not sure if this is exactly accurate, but I'm pretty sure that he like kind of just kind of pointed someone to make some posts, let's just say, and they did some posts that he didn't even like, possibly, and all these things that yeah. the Free State Project didn't like, so then it went haywire, and, you know, Carla was upset that her account got deleted or, like, you know, turned off on Twitter, right? Yeah. and it was all these different little nuances going on because of maybe not-so-smart actions, but, I mean... They've got more attention from Jeremy than anybody else in the Free State Projects. Carla, you're just jelly. You're just jealous. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, you know, I, when, when Carla's talking by herself or she's in a friendly environment or she's talking on her show with Tammy Simmons, she's actually very entertaining to listen to and very pithy, and she's a great activist. They're both great activists, and they a lot all of them said that all of the others were great activists, and... They, they they all they have the right to vote to take him off the board, but I just you know I I, I didn't some of these quotes really bothered me. <laughs> yeah, it's just it just ended up being sad. It's about money. I just like it blew my mind. Uh, yeah, and and like one donor, right? Now, okay, maybe it's a bunch of money, but this is the reason that I don't like going into business with friends, right? Uh, you got some close friends. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen friends become enemies faster when there's like a couple million dollars on the table for you as like a startup company. By the way, where's my $10? $10? Yeah. $10? Hmm? I'm just kidding. What? Where's my $10? You owe me $10. It's uh, like, yeah, having like debts with people or like. I do not owe you $10. I'm just trying to make a joke about being business. I don't owe you $10. Yeah. So now we're not friends anymore. <laughs> That's exactly. so quickly things deteriorate. And is, this is Jeremy. And the other thing is, like, nutshell. when they announced that, you know, um, Pork uh, FSP was becoming an incorporation and filing for 501 you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, like I, 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 that was a Liberty Forum, I believe, 2014 when it was down in Nashua. Carla says this, and I was the lonesome boo in the crowd. When it, everybody cheered, wow. and, and I booed, and I was the only guy that booed, and a whole bunch of people like right after that. This was the um, what do they call it? The state of the Free State Project speech at yeah. the very end of Liberty Forum. <laughs> yep, and uh, so I'm like boo because oh you were the only boo. I was Not Carla was the only no no no. Boo. I'm no, sorry, yeah, I misunderstood. No, she, okay. she was presenting this. Uh, we're going to incorporate 501c3. Okay. Oh God. So really? this was 2014. Yeah, and. Because they wanted to ha- basically, it's, God, almost a decade ago, is to get like you know the big money donors that are looking for write offs, and the write offs real easy, and you know the, it, it's it's all about the write off to where yeah. like if you donate to like the Shire Free Church, you're going to have a difficult time like claiming that it's a write off versus <clears throat> donating t- donating to a registered five hundred one c three nonprofit. Right. But what happens when it becomes when you ask the government for a benefit? It, th- so this. F- it, it becomes a creature of the government. Now, when you go 
beg the state via their application for a whatever, yep. you know, a corporation application. So it's a, it's a New Hampshire corporation, I'm assuming. Yep. And then this, then this New Hampshire corporation is asking for a 501c3 status from the IRS. You're, 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 so you're now you're, you're like, you know, please, IRS, give me this special privilege to, you know, uh, accept all this money from, you know, whoever. Like, I, right then and there, that, like, kind of, like, hurt my feelings. I was uh, upset about that. Yeah, they're begging for curry. Is what right, I right. Yeah. And, I feel like the most perverted thing uh, that the government does to us is force us to register a church with the state. Like, no, it's supposed to be separation of church and state. Oh, why do I have to register my church with the state? Yeah. I mean, I, and, and are they are they forcing you with uh, how? With, Absolutely. With this, with they're this threatening carrot, you constantly. For, you know, for these benefits, yeah. you know. If your organization is not for profit, then you shouldn't be required to do anything. In my opinion, and even if it is for profit, you shouldn't be required to do anything. I mean, th- that th- profit is is quite literally described in the Constitution as pursuit of happiness. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, what if your profit was money? So it's like they can't take away your profit. A man has a right to make a profit <laughs> to feed and clothe his family. A group of men have a right to make a profit to you know do these things. These yeah. are these are inherent rights we have. But the purpose of engaging in a corporation, of incorporating like Enron and Exxon and you know all these massive corporations, what they do is they incorporate for the purpose of. Uh, privatizing their profits and socializing their losses. So, like when you know, um, let's say Exxon Mobil has a massive oil spill because yeah. one of their tankers, you know, breaks open somewhere for whatever reason. Does then anybody you from up, you hit up Ian for Bitcoin? I'm just kidding. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> does anybody from Exxon Mobil uh, go to jail? You know, stay after school for a detention? Do they lose any of their personal money? No. What happens no, is no. Exxon Mobil probably has some shell company that owns that particular tanker that did that damage. That's like, oh, the only asset it has is just you know one vehicle or whatever. So and it's, and and basically what happens is the taxpayers end up paying for all of right. this. And, you and know, there's reserves too that just like tap into whenever they want when these things occur. Sure, like the super fund uh, you know account and you know, but you know the individual doesn't get any of those protections or benefits. And then then you have a lot of like you know. Let's say uh, Joe's Bakery. Well, Joe's Joe's lawyer says, "Hey, you need to incorporate for tax tax per, uh, purposes and taxation benefits and blah blah blah." So those little incorporations, you know, you know, happen too for sort of a different reason. But um, yeah, this this whole uh, corporation thing, I, I don't like the idea that government even uh, you know grants corporations. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, yeah. you know how like there's monks that make uh, that brew beer and they sell it. No, and the, they, yeah, there's yeah. beer you can buy at the store. It's, Brew by monks. Yeah, uh, the monks were uh, amongst the first, historically speaking, to brew beer. <laughs> amongst, okay, uh, <laughs> amongst the first. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like, are they registered businesses, or are they just like, oh, this is like our church practices that we brew beer? Yeah, I'm sure the ATF gives them a really good reason to be a registered business. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, guess guns so. in their face. Well, that's what they'll do. They'll just come kill you. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to try to sell yeah, alcohol, right, so. and brew alcohol and sell it and market it. You know? Wait, wasn't didn't they add something to their acronym? Didn't they add like E or so? Oh, explosives. That's what it is. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. Yeah. Wow. wow. So yeah. they rock. They're they regulating Taco Bell now. <laughs> very explosive very explosive indeed uh you know i don't know about you guys but like when i'm on the road doing a road trip or something and i have to uh you know take a dump right yeah. for lack of a better way to describe that sure uh, i always stop at taco bell and use their bathroom because the way i figure it they owe me one that and you you know they flood like those toilets can flush they made sure of it <laughs> ridley 
Well, well, there's this saying, you know, by their grievances shall ye know them, right? And so if this, if this is my strongest grievance against the Free State Project, is they had some quotes I didn't like, and they fired a guy from the board, and they once wouldn't let Ian come to Porkfest for a while. I mean, after 20 years of existing, it could be a lot worse. They still pull people to New Hampshire. They still have a good pork fest. They still have a good Liberty Forum. Uh, so, you know, it could be a lot worse. But, you know, what, there were two other things that I, that I noticed in this, this thing. Like, for instance, like during the siege of Mostar in, in um, Bosnia, the Bosnian army insisted on bringing in reporters, which, like, to me, that was a huge clue that they were probably in the right in this particular part of the war. And... Um, it's the same. It was kind of the same way with Jeremy. He said, "You know, I insist on having this, you know, this conversation broadcast, right?" And they were reluctant to have it broadcast. They so, were true. again. When the one, the one who wants transparency is usually going to be closer to the one who's in the right. And that was just the, the final observation. That's funny you bring that up because uh, Sorens uh, had made a post saying this video will be removed soon. And guess what I did. I downloaded it. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it was up on Odyssey. And I have it downloaded. And a couple of other places, like, instantaneously. And, so, And uh, actually, there was another thing about it, too. They kept bleeping out the names of people while they yeah. were talking. Like, they, there was something they would go back in and edit out, so-and-so, beep, accused you of beep, you know, or, or you know, they didn't, they didn't bleep out the second part. But it's like, wait a minute, no, what, why, wait, why? So, but on the other hand, they did upload it, uh, and they, they upload it, uploaded it, uploaded it on Jeremy's old platform. So isn't that weird? It's just, it's so many, it's all incestuous now, I guess. Now it's on the blockchain. Yeah. What are you going to do now, Sorens? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm with you, Dave, as far as like, yeah, the drama is the drama, and I mean, you can't get a group of people together of any size without some sort of drama happening at some point. So, like, that's to be expected. Um, you know, I still respect uh, the Free State Project as a movement and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm still going to Pork Fest, even though they've, you know, had I've got my issues with them as an organization. Uh, so I think you're right. I think they're good far outweighs the the bad. It's just that when I watched that video, I was like, I, I, I ain't got time for this. Well, there's there's a new director for Pork Fest next year. Yeah, I know. So I've, that might be good news. Yeah, I don't, yeah okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like to throw in uh, one little thing about Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Kaufman. I can tell you uh, firsthand knowledge that I have yeah. that he is an excellent family man. Yes. And he is a awesome dad. He, he's uh, freaking hilarious, too, man. Well, I mean, so, he's got a sense of humor. So I work with his kids. His, you know, his kids are, you know, w- within the age, age range of my kids. Yep. And they play together and they hang out. Nice. When my kids hang out with the Kaufman kids... Um, they, you know, my son and my daughter, uh, they come back, you know, with, uh, more like pleasantries and politeness. Um, his, uh, his, his sons, you know, his, she's got a little girl that's, you know, very young. She doesn't talk yet, but his sons are, they're, they're good boys. Uh, they're polite. They're respectful. They follow instructions very well. In fact, uh, nice. his, his oldest son at five years old did blacksmithing at pork fest nice and i can and that kid was that part of man camp but yeah he did man camp at pork fest and he so he made it he made a coat hook um out he forged it out of iron and he like focused really good uh he um you know like just followed instructions you know really well now it wasn't the first time you know him and i had worked together it was the first time we blacksmithed together but we've done other things so so he's comfortable with me 
but it, it just my observation of his children show that he is a he's like a he has an A plus for a dad rating as far as I'm concerned. And, and that's high praise. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I pay attention a lot to, you know, a lot of these kids. There are some kids that, you know, um, my kids hang out with them and, you know, they're like have backed up a little bit, digressed. You yeah. know, when they spend a day with them, they kind of, you know, start doing some bratty things or some nonsense or, you know, maybe they'll use a cuss word. Yep. And uh, but like that definitely doesn't happen when they hang out with Jeremy's kids. So uh, I'm glad that Jeremy's actually not, uh, you know, uh, dealing with the uh, FSP anymore because yeah. now he just has more time to be a dad, which yeah. I think is priority number one. And, as far as and I'm he's concerned. got. You know, arguably more freedom to do, well, other things. I mean, if being a part of the FSP board was, you know, his form of activism in addition to, you know, founding Odyssey and Library and that kind of a thing, uh, now he has more freedom to do what he wants to do as far yep. as activism is concerned, and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, a appealing to this other and, set of people he can just go out and do now and, and, I, and I want to thank Jeremy for you know taking around at being the director of uh, Free State Project and yeah, you know his he, wife he Rachel was for a while yep uh, he did I, a great job actually I think I, I I think that's a difficult position to to be in I think no oh, matter yeah. what no matter what you do somebody's not going to be happy with you because yep. it is an organization that is so large uh, and, uh, you know, does anybody like really like raise their hand and say, me, 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 I want to do that. <laughs> I, you know, from what I understand, he's like, well, okay, my wife's been doing it and you know, I'm kind of helping I'll, he just was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team guys. Yeah. It, that's kind of seems what it's like to be, be the director of any of these. But you know what? This is an illustration of, and, and I think it's useful for us at free talk live to point this out. Uh, many, many people in the United States refer to politicians as leaders they're not these are not leaders you right. don't look to these people no. to lead you or your children lead, or your lead us into or war like that, right uh, but, maybe but what you're saying what you're describing with jeremy kaufman is leadership right yeah he's he, a good leader he yep. decided to he said i'm going to put this on my shoulders i'm going to give it a shot i'm going to lead by example right and and see what i can and do then what happens a, i get arrested well you know <laughs> but but that's that's the difference like politicians are not leaders politicians are bureaucrats they're supposed to be public servants is what they're supposed to be. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the reason I have court at the end of the month is because I had to support my boy Jeremy Kaufman, so I call them Jew haters. <laughs> wow. Uh, Ridley, any final words? Uh, not much. Got, an e- got a letter from Ian this week, and um, it was not super substantial, but he indicated that he'd received my mail and awesome. uh, asked me what's going on in the Ridley Report, and I encourage people to send mail mail to Ian. Excellent. Thank you for the call, Mr. Ridley. You can find out more about David Ridley over at RidleyReport.com. The telephone number here is 603-283-6160. Stick around. Hour number three of Free Talk Live is coming up. Talk live playing the part of Bonnie Freeman tonight will be myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me in the studio, it's Jay and Joa. 
Uh, before we go on with the show, I want to say thank you to Michael Poliquin. Michael Poliquin is a silver level amplifier. Oh, thank you. What does that mean, silver level amplifier? Well, you can find out all about the AMPS program over at amps.freetalklive.com. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. And if you enjoy this radio program, we're on, I don't know, 180-ish radio stations. Uh, If you enjoy the hosts, the co-hosts, the callers and the topics, the perspective of freedom, peace, and prosperity that we bring to the airwaves, please consider donating to get us onto more radio stations. Uh, We could be on 200, 250, 300 radio stations, not out of the question. We, it's all up to you. Uh, help us advertise, market, promote, and support by visiting amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you again, Michael. We appreciate you. And this AMP uh, program might be more important now for Free Talk Live than ever because, you know, a lot of that advertising, marketing, and promoting is basically what Dean was doing as a day job yep. pretty much every day here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can tell sure. you with all seriousness that it takes a village to be one Ian. Uh, this is the second time that I have experienced this. Uh, the first time was, of course, during the raid, 2016. Uh, sorry, uh, 2021. Uh, and, uh, like, just be- getting thrown into the fire. And I'm like, like, I realized really quickly, I'm like, how the hell did this one guy keep all right. this together, right? And, like, do all the things that he was doing. And there were there were stuff that we just straight up ignored. Um, what I was really, really glad to see both times uh, is the outpouring of support from other people, uh, co-hosts from, uh, you know, former hosts, uh, from people just in the freedom community uh, in New Hampshire in general, uh, even nationwide, even globally, people came out of the woodwork offering, you know, hey, what can I do? How can I support you? Uh, well, the the number one thing you can do is become an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. I still think it's the best use of your liberty dollar as far as uh you know any sort of activism is concerned uh because well i mean we're nationwide we're a nationally syndicated radio program so um the other thing i want to say too is um well since ian and aria are both uh shall we say kidnapped by the federal government uh, it's important that you communicate with them uh, you know, I'm privileged in that I get to talk to Ian, you know, somewhat regularly, uh, you know, and, and get to, you know, tell him, hey, what's going on with the show? And, oh, well, this is broken, that's broken, and he's able to go, hey, here's how to fix it. And that's about the extent of our conversation. I've had a few his, moments myself on the phone, which is nice. Yeah, his time is very limited. But uh, if you go visit freekeen.com, there are some directions there on how you can write uh, Ian Freeman while he is in Merrimack. Uh, the legend is... and. I mean, this could change at any time, but the legend is that he is going to remain in Merrimack uh, at least until, I believe, uh, the next hearing, which is supposed to be something about restitution. And so that's that's a ways off. So you've got some time. Uh, please write him. Tell him your thoughts. Uh, tell him, you know, if you appreciate what he's done, uh, you know, tell him about what's going on in your life. Are you doing anything to help forward uh, freedom for everybody? Uh, tell him these things because he would like to hear them. Uh, the same goes. So if you want to write to Ian, go visit freekeen.com and just scroll. You'll find the the article that contains the how to and the address and where to write. Uh, the same goes for Aria. You can visit ariademezzo.com. That's A-R-I-A-D-I-M-E-Z-Z-O.com. 
and she has posted uh, how you can write to her uh, if you want to, you know, help help her with her commissary. There's a way for you to donate some money to her commissary on her website as well. But uh, you know, mostly writing letters, even just sending a postcard. You know, oh, you're traveling. Hey, I got a postcard from here. Hey, Aria, thinking about you. Uh, these are the kinds of things that uh, help folks who have been kidnapped uh, get through their time behind bars and in cages. So uh, to those of you who have already done all that, thank you. And to those of you who have not, uh, please consider doing so because I'm sure they would appreciate it. All right. Moving right along, uh, I think we've pretty much burned through the library stuff Let's move. Uh, one thing about library, if you uh, about yep. using library, what does it mean to use uh, LBRY? So just by um, playing videos on their app isn't it, you know actually like one hundred percent using it, and you, so you can run like a, a kind of a node. You can let it run in the background on a device. Yep, and it, and it, and and so that is how you sort of use or utilize LBRY and help keep it alive is one thing you do. You can also be a content creator that helps if there's more, you know, you put your content there. Uh, I, I like LBRY cause it doesn't have any commercials and you can actually download stuff, uh, real easy from LBRY and, yep. um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I have let it, uh, you know, do the background thing on devices. I've shut it off. I've turned it back on. Uh, you know, because it will use a little bit of data and might slow oh, your. I don't absolutely think it will. <laughs> I, I mean, I've shut it off and you know been been like, oh, I'm trying to do something and it won't load. I'll shut this off and it still won't load. But usually, if you, if it's going to play a video anyways and you're running it in the background, it it seems to be fine. Right. But you know, um, and you know, I don't know. Maybe if you work at some corporate service place and you want to you know you have access you're an it guy and you can put these like you know on computers and stuff it's and you know help lbry out that'd be cool or you know i'm sure there's other ways to do it but let, let's see how long this prod this um experiment will last with a decent because from what i understand it's a decentralized autonomous network isn't it right um, seems to be and so we'll see how it does with it all shut down with the incorporation shut, shut down which is gonna i had this be I- a good example i had this idea that uh actual libraries in your town should run a server for library so you have access for, to all this information it's not just videos on library lbry nice. yeah. it's all documents and stories and uh news articles it's not just video odyssey is you know odyssey the the branch from it right that's all video and you can make community posts like youtube does but it's different but anyways so uh we talk from time to time here on free talk live about secession. What does that mean? That means uh, removing New Hampshire from, well, the Union, the United States, becoming its own entity, its own mm-hmm. country, if you will. And, and I don't even, I honestly don't even think that's necessary because the state of New Hampshire is a municipal corporation that needs to be dissolved. That's really where the solution is. And the jurisdiction from the, the entity calling itself United States, which is limited to the District of T- uh, Columbia and yep. territories and possessions, Get, has jurisdiction over new over the corporation calling itself New Hampshire, which is essentially a name on a piece of paper. It's just a two dimensional entity, as I like to refer to it. Yes, and that's what really needs to happen. That is actually what ties us to all of these like 
you know, federal mandates, federal rules, you know, the um, all, all the corporations status stuff. And, and, yeah. and it all started or a lot of it had really like come into effect and compliance uh, with what's called the Uniform Commercial Code of so 1923. Like in, sort of like interstate commerce type yes. stuff. Yeah. So, so the, there is a difference between the organic nation state of New Hampshire, right. which is a sovereign uh, nation state, you know, and and is foreign to the United States, which is just a district of Columbia. It is foreign to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is another sovereign nation state of its yeah. own. And all of the 50 states are actually a federation of states called the United States of America. Correct. Just like all of the uh, European Union states are separate nations within a federation called the European Union. So I, I agree with you, and you are correct, factually speaking. Uh, what I want to, why I want to talk about secession here today is because we have some free staters uh, that have proposed some legislation uh, toward the end goal of secession. Now, I uh, not only agree with what you've said, but I think that, well, government is antique, barbaric, and should be abolished completely. Yes. Mankind should be allowed to just sort of live their lives. Uh, you want to know what happens in the absence of government? Well, let's find out. Let us work it out. Mankind has been working out their problems with other people for th- how yeah. many How many years? Millions of years, perhaps? Right. And, and, like, how long has mankind been around? And, like, government is not a viable way to organize man. Right. Like, every time the legislators... Uh, you know, go along with some federal program, they're giving a little piece of that sovereignty up. Yeah. They're, you know, and we need to give back that sovereignty. So all that being said, uh, I also support anything that pushes mankind in that direction, right? Yes, yeah, so, so ultimate individualism, So which here are be, some right? people, you know, pushing mankind, pushing, in this case, the state of New Hampshire uh, towards more freedom. And so I want to talk about what they're doing. Uh, This from NHIPAC.org, this says, Second State Secession Bill Filed in New Hampshire Legislature. So there's two now. I was aware of one, but there's two different ones now. Uh, For the first time in the state's recorded history, legislators in the New Hampshire House of Representatives have filed two bills aimed at giving voters the opportunity to vote on whether or not New Hampshire will peacefully secede from the United States of America. I want to emphasize peacefully secede from the United States of America. There's no other option. There There is no other option. The government, you know, the federal government has drones and they can just bring in troops from other countries and just, you know, tackle the cause if they want to. So it has to be done peacefully, even though New Hampshire has more guns than any other state. Well, yeah. Per per capita. (laughs) State Representative Matthew Santanastasso has sponsored a groundbreaking new bill that will force the creation of a secession study committee by the Granite State. This comes on the heels of a bill filed recently by State Rep. Jason Gerhard that, if passed, would allow voters to amend the New Hampshire Constitution, declaring that the state will secede from the United States should the national debt reach a staggering $40 trillion. Boy. So just because I want to know, it was at like, uh, I think it was... Thirty-three. I I like this ultimatum talk though because you you need to set a bar because when when you do that people will realize when the time comes that they actually hit that you know that mark 
like, oh my god, I can't believe we actually did make it to this moment of of debts and stuff. And they're going to be like, oh yeah, remember those secessionists, the one that told me about it. You know, I think they're right. I think we need to, you know, carry on with this thing. It's about time. All right, so okay, the, anyways. the U.S. debt clock site is not loading for me. Anyway, it was, the last time I looked at it, around $33 trillion. So, so, so here's an important thing to understand about the national debt. When they say national debt, they're only talking about the debt of the United States. Sure. They are not talking about the debt of the state of New Hampshire, the county of Merrimack, the city of Concord, the Concord City School District, the Concord City you know, Water District, the Sanitation District, the... the um, so and and years ago, what was it, 2013 or 2012? It was reported on Infowars that the M3 report, which or M something Federal Reserve report, calculated yeah. all of the debt of all municipal corporations from the local dog catcher right up to the United oh, God, States. God, who knows? Yeah, and, that's and, and like huge. like 15 years ago, it was like 1.6 quadrillion dollars. Yep. What is <laughs> a quadrillion dollars? Uh, you it's know, a hundred that, trillion, right? Or a thousand trillion. A thousand, yes, thank you. And, yeah, which, you know, what's a trillion? It's a, you know, it's a thousand billion. What's, what's, what's a billion? Right, what's yeah. a billion? Yeah, and, and, you know, and it's like uh, when I was in... Uh, a billion? More money oh, than you can shake a stick at. When I was in a eighth billion? grade... That's just a drop of the bucket now. When I was in eighth grade, <laughs> which would have been 1993-ish, I think... Um, a guy came in, um, I remember his, uh, daughter, uh, was one of my, our, our classmates and they were, um, he was a Korean refugee, this guy, mm-hmm. and he be, he's some kind of like really smart scientist guy. And he basically said, and the national debt was like $7 trillion back then, I believe, or something like that, or maybe it was four, but he said, if you took $100 bills and stacked them, they would go all the way to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like, we have made it to the moon that in dollar amazing. bills. That is amazing. You know, um, so this secession, the secession study committee, as envisioned by this bill, won't just be a cursory look into New Hampshire declaring its peaceful independence from the United States. It will delve into understanding the multifaceted implications, the potential benefits, and the challenges that New Hampshire might face if it were to consider seceding from the Union. This initiative underscores the urgency and importance of having a well-informed discussion on the subject. Representative Santanastasso stated, given the current challenges at the federal level and potential unforeseen changes in the national landscape, it's essential to study the feasibility of an independent New Hampshire. This effort is not about neglecting our shared history. It's about proactive planning and ensuring our state shall persist under any circumstance. So, you know, he's taking the stance of like, let's uh, let's just have a study. That takes a look at this from not only not not just people who've moved here for the Free State Project or the larger freedom movement, but let's take a look at it from the people who have been here all along, the actual Free Staters, if you will, the live free or die people. Yeah, wouldn't it be beautiful to buy uh, crude oil directly from uh, Russia, and yeah. we could have you know you know a dollar <laughs> yeah. twenty five you know you know home heating oil. We wouldn't have to have like uh, you know or, or, or diesel fuel. We could probably have you know seventy cent a gallon gasoline or something. Yep, because you can buy ru- Russian oil, you know. Uh, relatively cheap. It's it, it's for a discount. You know, a lot of countries are buying Russian oil and then they're flipping it and selling to Europe for a massive. Yep. You know, because Europe has all of these sanctions that you know aren't hurting Russia at all. Or how about <laughs> just uh, tax free trade? Period with whomever you want to. Well, if New Hampshire has got got the federal government out of the way, we have a seaport. You know, there's n- yep. n- no reason why we can't start trading with whoever we want. I'm sure yeah. Venezuela would love to sell us really inexpensive oil. You know what's great, or too, Russia is or whoever. We, we, have a, we have a bunch of private gun manufacturers here. 
And I can I guarantee you have a lot of exporting with that. Yep. Yeah, there you I go. I mean, not already, but. Uh, so Carla Garrick, president emeritus of New Hampshire's Free State Project, weighed in on the matter, stating the increase in the number of New Hampshireites and now our legislators who support peacefully exiting the union is indicative of the Biden administration's complete and utter failure to represent the interests of our state. The federal government have nobody to thank but themselves for the inevitable result. More and more of us want to choose freedom. And as you know, we talked about Carla uh, in the previous segment, uh, Matt, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Sorry, Matt. Matt Sobrin de Chaunier, the chairman of the New Hampshire Independence Political Action Committee, commented, the purpose of these bills is to get the tough questions relating to independence out on the table and then get some answers to the public. It's basically an outline for future grand national strategy. My father always said growing up that if a private business were to operate the same way as government, they'd be locked in prison. It's time to fire D.C. Yeah, and that echoes the same for private individuals. If the private individuals, you know, went to offer, you know, act like government, they would go to jail. Yep. If I forced you to pay for a service that I offer, whether you like it or not, I would go to jail. Right. But the government does all the time, and and this is part of this affidavit process to correct, uh, you know, to correct these because there is no authority uh, in the Constitution for property taxes on private homes. It's only for, you know commercial properties right. and industrial properties you know uh and there's 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 no authority for like i i have i own some land and i have to pay this property tax and i have not you know i, ag- feel you on that I have not agreed to fund the teacher's pension right because that's literally what your property taxes are doing they're right. funding government employee oh, yeah. pensions uh all the pension funding comes before infrastructure this yep. is why the infrastructure is horrible in america God. I, I, yeah I, I couldn't have said it better Uh, The article continues, in the state's 2022 legislative session, the House rejected a proposal that would give voters the opportunity to amend the Constitution, allowing the state to peacefully declare independence from the United States. While opponents of New Hampshire's secessionist movement have historically argued that the federal government is a net positive, or at least can be molded into one, proponents have argued, successfully I might add, that the federal government has gone too far. Citing issues such as inflation, ongoing wars abroad, and health care. New Hampshire is one of approximately 25 states that pays more in taxes to the federal government than they receive back in federal funding. There's another term for that, uh, net... uh, It's not not a net positive, it's a net negative. Yeah, net negative, (laughs) yes, thank you. Uh, Once introduced, both bills will move to committee for further discussion and review. If passed, the secession study committee would be comprised of members of both the House and the Senate, as well as experts in economics, law, and governance. Their findings would be presented to the state legislature for consideration. So uh, we'll post a link to this article, of course, uh, to all of our social medias uh, if you want to read it for yourself. It's funny because there really isn't any experts on the topic of secession because there's no actual secession occurring in recent times in America to be an expert on it. We did, did you get a my uh, point on that. And I, I I think that was the point why like when they had it when they came up and they had their uh uh their arguments and like we got to have, you know talk to the council and that's sort of the board um one of the guys I forget his name right now at a Wolfboro the young guy um, uh, but he was like a outspoken about it. He's like, I talked to experts about secession. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what experts are you talking to? There's only one guy I could think of, uh, and it's Dean Kamen. 
Uh, so we've we we did a story on okay. this. Uh, I think Sunday maybe uh, on Free Talk Live. Sorry, I didn't mean to like, uh, but I just I think it's funny that there's really no secessionists out no, there. No, you're absolutely right, and this is the exception that proves your point, right? Okay. So Dean Kamen, uh, you may know him as the inventor of this. Uh, Ride around the sidewalk device called the Segway. Oh yes, yes. You know, the two wheels. Oh yeah. Oh, this is whatever, an anomaly. Right? Ridley brought up. Ridley brought this up. Uh, it was yeah. Ridley was one of the people. It was posted in some other chat. We we covered it on Free Talk Live, and then somebody called in and said, "No, that article wasn't true. That was written tongue in cheek." And I, I was I like, can agree with and it. I was like, uh, I, well, I thought maybe there was something to it, but then I went and read more, and I'm like, no, this actually occurred. So uh, what happened is, though, the state just stopped taking action, right? So, right. So, like, on paper, did he really get Dumpling Island to secede? Well, he got government to stop attacking him, and he's declared his own independence on his own island. It's a private island uh, that he purchased, and he wanted to build a uh, uh, a tower that was 100 feet and because he was under the, quote, jurisdiction, unquote, of New York, uh, they wouldn't let him. They were like, nope, Max is 40 feet. Otherwise, you'll annoy your neighbors. Of course, That's- he's on an island. He has no neighbors. Right. So uh, he approached uh, Connecticut and w- attempted to get them to annex the island because he felt that it would be a better match. Well, the guy he contacted in Connecticut ended up becoming, like, his partner in seceding. And so they basically just wrote to government and said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to secede. And the government sent threatening letter after threatening letter after threatening letter. They would send some responses back, very similar to kind of the things that you do. I found it very similar to, you know, how you approach things where they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. Right. Uh, and, and eventually they the state just backed off, right, because this guy, uh, you know, has some influence. He has money. Uh, he actually lives in New Hampshire. Uh, so, like, he has this private island. That's his, we'll call it his second home. It's also sort of a bit of a tourist attraction. He'll have people come out there and, you know, spend their vacation, that kind of a thing. But he spends a lot of time in New Hampshire. So it's the only, uh, I'm going to say, successful secession that we have to refer to in modern times. Yeah, I look at that as, like, they let him be left alone. Right. Which is really right. what we want and here they, in New Hampshire. In Rhode Island, they had something similar to that. Sorry, I need to go, but... Uh, uh, the right to be left alone. And basically, if you don't want nothing to do with the state, you get the right to be left alone, no taxes, and they, they never pass. More but. Free Talk Live is coming up. Yes, thank you for tuning in and listening. It is Free Talk Live. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. If you would like to join us, we'll get to your calls and thoughts momentarily. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Jay. And Joa. Uh, We've been talking about, uh, man, we've really like sort of covered the gambit, right? Uh, But one thing we did want to mention that we haven't got to yet is... uh, Jay, you're going to be speaking at Anarchapulco. That's right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I think this is the 10th Anarchapulco. Yep. In Mexico? Yeah. Uh, this is a, it's, so it's similar to uh, 
pork fest in that it's a gathering of freedom oriented people although anarchists pork fest is more you know we'll say libertarian and anarchapulco is more anarchist hence the name right so it's a different location there's a lot of crossover a lot of folks who go to anarchapulco will also go to pork fest or go to pork fest and anarchapulco but i'm pretty stoked that you're speaking tell us more yeah so uh i did a presentation for anarchapulco.com back in september on investing in our posterity so uh, they've asked me to come there and speak, uh, do a presentation. Uh, I, I also would love to try to make man camp sort of happen at, at, at there Ooh, somehow. Um, right. I'm kind of working on seeing if we can, you know, get a little blacksmith shop together. There's, uh, I'm supposed oh, to get in contact with somebody. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not promising that. Sure. But that's one of my, uh, you know, sort of agendas there. I don't know if we'll do it, but I'm going to do a presentation. You do like the tropical version of band camp, right? You know, <laughs> cut open some coconuts or whatever. I mean, uh, I know, sure. Yeah. I was, you know, we were how, thinking how to like. start a fire on a beach. Well, I yeah, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> but anyways, something. Uh, you know, the as I talk about a lot on the show was investing in our posterity, and I'm I'm trying to get to an audience of uh, influencers and parents and and even you know older single people who have uh, a lot of assets and and you know um, knowledge and, and they've done well for themselves to get them to invest in our posterity too. People who don't even have children, I got a bunch of ideas for this. Sure, uh, and you know one of the big in- investments we need to make in our posterity is quite literally. Uh, teaching our children how to be confident, allowing them to be confident because it is the people who lack confidence that beg for government and that give government all of their power is the people who ask for government. And confident people do not need government. So uh, anarchopoco.com, if you go to their uh, ticket section, I believe it's anarchopoco.com backslash or forward slash tickets, yep. and you use a promo code J, that's J-A-Y, you'll get a 10% discount. Nice. And uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to be there with my family for the uh, complete uh, um, Anarchapoco experience. Uh, I'm doing it. Uh, my uh, presentation is going to be on uh, Thursday. I forget exactly what time. And I'm also going to try to uh, get involved in more stuff as we get closer to uh, the Anarchapoco date, participate in some more things, uh, help out stuff down there. But yeah, I want to get this invest in our posterity message out there. And it sounds like uh, Anarchapoco is um, really going to be about, you know, this year about making yourself better, making your uh, family better, um, you know, survival things, uh, just just going to be a great lineup, it, it sounds like. The dates, according to anarchopulco.com, February 11th through the 16th. So if you want to check that out, anarchopulco.com. Uh, and what was the code again? J. J-A-Y. So promo enter, code. Enter J-A-Y when you get your tickets, get a 10% discount. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You're, you're going to be there and you get to give folks a discount. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Might be a popular year because HBO did that special. Yeah, it might be. They did the anarchists. You may not want to watch it. If you're going to go to Anarpoco, don't watch that film until after. <laughs> uh, only if you're chicken. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I no, if you're like up, easily but... scared or something. I uh, I thought it was it was well done. I mean, especially because you like the hosts were all on the show and stuff. Like, yeah, Ian and Mark uh, made uh, yeah. some cameos uh, on there. There were some other folks who have appeared or otherwise called in uh, who appeared on there as well. So. Oh, that was pretty great. Too. I remember when, like, the show, the first episode, sorry to go off track here, but, like, the first thing you hear is Mark speaking as soon as the first episode starts. Yeah, yeah really Luke cool. Radowski's featured on there a he little is bit. too, yep. yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's go to, uh, I believe this is Major Payne in Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening, gents. Good How evening. How are you all doing? Doing well. How about you? 
So anyway, you guys brought up uh, cheap Russian oil. Did yeah. you hear what old China Joe did today? What did old China Joe do right today? The, I'm going to circle this right back in the crooked voting machines, too. All right. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, we had uh, serious sanctions on Venezuelan oil since, I think, 15. Okay. Well, Venezuela promised to have fair and honest elections next year if they would just release the sanctions. So old China Joe, he says, okay, you can sell oil for six months. Well, nobody seems to remember that these crooked Dominion voting machines were born in Venezuela. Go figure. Yeah. I see I the connection the there. They put them here in Michigan. We had such a stink about it. The next year I went back in, it was the same damn machine, except being white and having the little placards on it with the, the maple leaf, you know. And you, you understand. So they just, they, they, just, they just ripped the stickers off. and They just ripped the stickers so off and, anyway, and put uh, new yeah, stickers on, Major? They were all it's like you can't hear me somehow. Were you talking? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Major. The next year we went in to vote, all these Dominion machines were camouflaged. They painted them all flat black. Go figure. There's a bunch of local warrant articles in New Hampshire that uh, I know a whole bunch of people are going around and getting signatures. Um, Bradford, New Hampshire, the guy got all the signatures. He's a farmer friend of mine to ban uh, electronic voting machines uh, basically at the local level. And that's actually happened. And there's actually legislation to remove these voting uh, uh, machines, too. I don't know what it's called or whatever, but I know that was supposed to be introduced. So that would be good. But, yeah, we see what happened to uh, Venezuela after they introduced electronic voting machines. So the parasite class could essentially win all the elections and have all the power and then implode the entire country. Hyperinflate the currency. Yep, all of that stuff. And, uh, yeah. But that's cool, the Venezuelan. Of all the people declared to have have free and honest elections, Venezuela, that'll damn near make you gag. Yeah. Yeah. What is the legalese definition of free and honest uh elections? Uh you know, that that needs to be determined before you can even have a conversation of what free and on free and on, fair and honest or whatever. Because uh, yeah, I I don't believe any of these elections are fair and honest anywhere. Well what what's the definition of the Department of Justice? Just <laughs> us. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you know who has a, a fair election? Uh, these TV shows like American Idol or the yeah. the worst singer or whatever these are, I you know I don't watch any of them, but uh, they've got it licked, right? Sure. Like uh, one call per phone number, right? You get one vote and uh, <laughs> they that. tabulate all of it, and they do it like within like a half an hour, you know, like before the show is over, they tabulate all of this stuff. Yeah, blockchain technology would really make it, um, you know, at least honest. Yeah. You remember the first show that started that whole trend? I think it was probably the Gong Show. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of Ed McMahon. What was that show? Uh, Star Star Search. Search. Yeah. <laughs> that's my Ed McMahon laugh. Been just after Johnny died, eh? That's that's the one. Yeah. So they can get it right. Uh, you would think that, you know, some organization with unlimited time unlimited money and otherwise unlimited resources could get something like this right and then they would no longer have unlimited money unlimited resources and unlimited time and that's why they don't if they were actually 
serving and protecting and securing the rights of the people. Right. Which they're obviously not. Major? Well, if they don't spend all of their budget next year, they go to the House Appropriations Committee, they'll be cut. Heavens to Bessie, we can't have that. Yeah, Silver so Dave spend ten percent beyond our budget, so we can prove we need more money. Silver Dave often talks about the military spendex, and one of the oh, things God. that he did in the special forces, he was talking about being somewhere, and they had millions of rounds of like fifty cal that they had to shoot. Now they couldn't just take you know containers of fifty cal and just dynamite them or blow them up. They actually had to shoot them through a gun, which is very labor intensive, but they had to spend it in order to ask for the money again. So basically the the military is all about just wasting, you know, uh, obnoxious amounts of, you know, munitions just in general so they can give more, you know, so they can get more contracts to the, you know, the munitions manufacturers. Actually, one of my favorite things that Silver Dave has said is uh, um, each Tomahawk missile has about 500 ounces of silver in each one. It just blows up disintegrates yep <laughs> uh, highlighting the unethical nature of well congress critters uh this from bitcoin.com congressional investments in defense stocks raise ethical eyebrows amidst ongoing wars in the midst of ongoing strife in the ukraine and israel stocks of publicly listed defense corporations have seen a dramatic surge simultaneously u.s government officials have backed substantial war expenditures and reports indicate a multitude of politicians reaping financial benefits from oh, investments yeah. in defense companies such as Plantier, L3 Harris, Lockheed Martin, and Northrop Grumman. Go figure. Yeah, Paul Pelosi, uh, there was like, I believe that there, I don't know if it got shut down, but there was like a website or a Twitter page or something that was all, you know, based on Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband's investments and you're know, tracking his investments. And, you know, there's uh, like, you know, the, the, the job that Pelosi has pays a few hundred thousand dollars a year and she has wasn't, you know, super ultra wealthy when she became a congressman or a senator or whatever her criminal position is. Right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and now she's like her her and her family have, uh, you know, obtained, you, you know, the, the value they have is incalculable. Yeah. You obscene. Know, it's yeah. obscene. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and it's just but all these politicians, you know, they. They just come out worth millions or billions of dollars. Uh, yeah, and, when their salary is like one hundred and fifteen, hundred and fifty, or something like that. And, a year. and they have, but they have access to all of his information, and they know where to put the dollars, and know where to put the investments, and you know, it's um, and, and smooth and operators for sure. It's just a scam. Yeah. It's a way to uh, defraud the people. It's you know they and and they're all participating in pump and dumps of all these you know whatever stocks oh, for bonds. Sure. Yeah, I brought this up three weeks, maybe a month ago. At the end of World War II, I think there were about 35 defense contractors that supplied all the munitions and tanks and whatnot for the government. Okay. And now there's five. Now, how oh, much money wow. is that? Uh, that well, that, that, they're all really owned by three. Three companies own, like, all of this. Right. It's kind of like all the... The big agra companies, right? There's only like, like Black, six companies Black that, that own all of the food companies, right? Like BlackRock, yeah, probably owns all these defense contractors now. Mm. It's probably pretty close to it. I don't know. Well, Maybe. they probably bought a bunch of it recently. You know, you, you listen to some of the stuff about Larry Frank, the guy who started BlackRock, and basically, 
you know, all it seems like all the Federal Reserve like money creation contracts all run through BlackRock. Yep. Uh, f- from what I can tell, I don't really know how that works, but um, and and yeah, it's just a criminal enterprise. They're certainly Absolutely. prolific. I mean, their name pops up surrounding so many things. Pretty much every yeah. A friend of mine who's a commercial fisherman couldn't afford to be a fisherman anymore as an independent family owned fishery. When I met this guy t- 20 years ago, he had nine fishing boats. He had nine fishing licenses. Five years ago, he's got one boat, and he's got all nine licenses stacked on the one boat and can't make a living. Wow. So then it switched to a quota system, uh, which means that based on how many like fish you caught in the past, like since your record, you know this is how much. So now he's got all these licenses condet- condensed to a quota system. And, he, and and basically, the numbers just didn't work with, like, diesel fuel labor costs. So if costs he doesn't also. catch X, the, his right. license and, goes and away. Fishermen have been messed with for years. Yeah, so it, it, oh. it basically, for an independent fisherman, a guy who owns a couple of boats, uh, you know, they go out for, like, you know, 30 or 40 hours. They can only catch so much amount of fish. But now these big commercial processors park a vessel out, and they got these fishing boats out there. Yeah. They never come in. They have boats that go and get the product from them. They process, flash freeze the fish on the boat. They're, like, these huge floating cities. And they just sit there, and, and they just out there just pull up, you know, tens of thousands of pounds of catch per day. These guys are only allowed a few thousand pounds of catch Jeez. in, like, a 24-hour period Trying or whatever you know, the because they come guy. back in. And so he leased his quota. And when he, so he leases quota to some like local fishing company, Cape yeah. Cod, this guy's in Cape Cod. Sure. And uh, he gets a check back and he, and he looks into the company. So he gets a, a, his quota check and it is a company, uh, some big finance, um, I can't remember, not BlackRock, but one of these, um, oh, I just had it, but you know, it's just one big of these name huge, you know, financial company. If you, somebody says it, we, we would, uh, you know, recognize it but yeah it's like a black rock and that and they basically own all the fisheries and it's just a financial Van, investment vanguard firm. Uh, vanguard is, oh, is, vanguard. is the one yes yep, yep. yep it's a vanguard company and that's who's controlling like all the fish basically and 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 he talked to all of his buddies who have like you know you know leased their quota to other companies and they're all owned by vanguard hey i wow. I, 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 I like to think of a solution here and that's just go to your mom and pop restaurants go to your mom and pop stores but and even your mom and pop restaurants, they're buying a lot well, of their food say, right off the yeah, Cisco truck, yeah. right all this corporate say, stuff. Really, the big solution is directly supporting growers and producers. That's right. The, yeah. the guy who's you know buy your beef, your 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 chicken from a guy that you can shake his hand and and he can tell you you can point to the pasture where the cow was. You can go meet your cows from some of these guys before it's right. butchered. That's why I like want. I like going to uh, like farm stands at the farm right, right? Yes. like not going to the grocery store never knowing where those things came from but going to those farm stands and there's a few around here that i love going to and they're more receptive to like gold backs and crypto indeed hey major so. thank you for the call tonight we appreciate you uh let's move right along and let's go to this is david in new mexico david you're on free talk live okay you capitalist pig you can't you can't be the you can't be disparaging uh, Larry Fink. Uh, the, the ADL is going to come after you, dude. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, freedom yeah, of speech, man. No, 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 no. Now when it comes to that, that's anti-Semitic. You can't do that. I mean, we got to... Bring it on, SPLC. On. Huh? I said, what? <laughs> bring it on, Southern Poverty Law Center. What'd you say, Noah? <laughs> that's, I, I guess I can't do that either. That's Noah. anti-Semitic. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. that's a Manoa. <laughs> Joe's Ark. That's what Joe's you. Ark. Yeah, next time you uh, you think of like a business for yourself or something or something, you should Joe's you Ark. should open Joe's Ark. That'd be that'd be fun. That'd be pretty. You could fun. have a you could have a, a kennel and a dog training center. It could be Joe's Bark. Oh, woof, I like woof. And it'd be all in the shape yeah. of like a big wooden ship. That's been a good business for a while. This this um, dog kennel stuff. I have some friends that have like made really good careers. Yeah, I know some like and- less than uh, you know. Um, average intelligent people right girls and dudes both but they run successful like dog grooming businesses and and, and their customers yeah. their best customers are are people who uh work in government and because these are people i've been delivering them hay for years and they have horses in the kennels they got the stables mm-hmm. and like all their dog kennel people are are uh people who work uh like professional cr- parasite type careers whether it's medical financial government you know right, insurance yeah. and they don't have any kids so they don't have anybody to watch their dogs uh and uh, i think it's going to get to a point where that whole crowd of people is not going to be able to afford these dog kennels and dog services uh, and, and some of my customers are like preparing for this uh, for, i see yep not only do they not have somebody to wa- watch their dogs they don't have anybody to wash their dogs either so are they opening up Chinese restaurants? Well, they're just pre- pre- preparing for um, people just not <laughs> be am. able to take care of their animals. And, I, open, and, I open Chinese restaurant. I open Chinese cre- restaurant. <laughs> is yeah. that a, is that you a next, cat? You next. Are you, yeah, you next. Chinese restaurant. I'm not torturing a cat on our radio show. I'm not torturing the, I'm not torturing the cat. I've been very nice to that cat. I tell you. very nice to them. They taste better when you've been very nice to them. That is true. Actually, yes, I worked on a farm. A tasty pig, I mean, a happy pig is a tasty Cat. pig. Cat. Yep. So, I, and, I, and, and, I, and I think I'd rather eat, you know, stray meat from a stray cat than anything from the commercial food chain. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I say a stray cat cause you know, a house cat is probably going to be vaccinated and I can tell you, um, I have, uh, these unvaccinated, these unvaccinated, there is a lot we know, of, we know vaccinate, we know vaccinate. There's a lot of interest hey, thanks for the call, David. in MRNA free <laughs> meat. I've actually had people contact, I got people wanting me to ship them MRNA free meat cause right, I, yeah. I don't, I don't vaccinate any of my animals. Right. And, um, because uh, I don't factory farm that are all standing around. You know, I have, yep. you know, two cows right now and three pigs, yep. uh, you know, just just kind of doing some maintenance. And uh, we are going to actually butcher a whole bunch of chickens next week. Uh, meat birds we've been raising. That's a, And that's really one of the best things you can do with your kids. Is Who's going chicken. chicken hunting? Jay's going chicken hunting. We finally answered the age old question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how, uh, many, how many are you harvesting? Uh, 85. Do you help? Yeah. You want to come? You should Maybe. come. Yeah, yeah. Next week, you're saying? Yep. All right. Uh, you guys can uh, work that out, uh, you know, off air, of course. Um, I really do enjoy, uh, you know, New Hampshire, the New England area, specifically for farming practices. All of the the small farms are, they operate, not all, but like a lot of them operate in the same way you do. They're, you know, all of the drug-free, they're all grass-fed, they're all, you know, quote-unquote humanely raised and all that kind of stuff and you can tell when you buy this meat and you cook it up it absolutely it cooks differently it tastes different it tastes better in my opinion absolutely uh and and you can definitely tell a difference and i just love that i can't drive more than i don't know man like two miles without seeing somebody's sign you know fresh eggs or you know get your meat here or you know here's a roadside stand with our farm fresh vegetables and that kind of stuff yeah new hampshire is extremely resilient so most of the new hampshire natives i know that live in rural new hampshire Mm -hmm. they've all been raising two or three pigs a year their entire lives they've always you know bought 20 or 30 you know baby you know day-old meat birds and 
you know, raise all their own meat birds and process them. They like, you know, put a beef in a freezer once a year. A lot of people go partners on beefs. We've got local like butcher shops all over the place around uh, New Hampshire. And, you know, one of the things that uh, some of these state representatives that are against New Hampshire independence mm-hmm. really are, are, are against it because they feel that the, the borders of New Hampshire would be sealed up and there would be straight up blockade. And one of these guys, a state representative uh, I was talking to about this, said that New Hampshire only produces 6% of its food. And I said, well, that Ooh. number is not accurate. No, it's because, not. Because uh, I know a whole bunch of guys that produce a ton of food. Yeah. And nobody from the government is asking them how much food they produce. They're not part of the statistics. Well, I don't know where this guy got that statistic, but um, I know that, well, I've heard. And I, it's been repeated by the Free State Project and that sort of thing. But New Hampshire is the number one state in the country for farm to table. So it's okay. a, you know it's the I best state in the country. So we yeah. you you can have you know your own uh, you know cart or cooler on the end of your driveway selling eggs and meat. Now now I will tell you because I've been in the livestock business, the horse business, the hay business. I was a feed dealer for you know over twenty years. Yeah, uh, New Hampshire does import a lot of feed. For its livestock, yeah, it does sure. not produce yeah, enough right. hay. It does not produce enough grain. Northeast, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, you know, Canada right next door. You know, a lot of hay comes out of Canada. Yep. A lot of hay comes out of New York. Goes into New England. Yep. And all those guys that are that are making stuff, they're going to want to trade it. They're going to want to sell it. But we uh, and also uh, we get a lot of waste food now um, for like like pigs. Okay. And I, you know, one of my good friends is big. Uh, I actually work with a few pig operations on like waste food stuff. Yeah. And uh, basically, the waste food there's like nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's totally yeah. fine, and some of it's not even expired. Right. Uh, some of it like grains that are quote unquote expired. It's like that's ridiculous. You know, because grain <laughs> as long as it stays dry, you know, right, yeah. it, it, it it it's fine. It's got almost it, indefinite shelf life. Almost yeah, right. It, I I've I know exactly exactly what he's talking about because i was uh, working for a pig farm that we picked up waste food from several, several different stores and uh you know brewers get the spent grains and that sort of thing food was fine uh they got fresh food every day these but pigs like, were spoiled but if new hampshire it, it, if there, there's so much food being produced we overproduce food and especially all the government subsidized garbage food all the candies all yeah. the junk yeah. food all the like yeah. pre-packaged microwave crap right but uh th- the amount of food that is actually wasted is just ludicrous. Yeah. It is so Astro- crazy. Well, and like even if let's just say the government, uh, I, we know they're not correct, but let's just say they were close. Let's say New Hampshire doesn't produce enough food to like support itself. Well, that can change. Oh yes, right. Like there is a tremendous amount of unused property yep. in New Hampshire, and Absolutely. the ability for a region to adapt to the market demand of something like hay or feed or yep. grain and that kind of stuff can pretty easily change. We have uh, four seasons here, so I mean, pretty much you can grow anything that you know requires a season. Yep. Right. Uh, you can't have you know some of the tropical stuff growing here, but like whatever. I mean, you could. Like, it's pretty easy for that to change. Even if, and, and I don't believe for a minute that New Hampshire is incapable of growing enough to support itself. No, I don't I, no they absolutely do. They have these massive greenhouses going in up in Berlin. Huge, crawling greenhouses across we the land. We are out of time. Thank you to our callers, our listeners. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Joa, for joining me here tonight. If you missed any part of tonight's broadcast, find the archives over at freetalklive.com. Thanks and peace.
This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.